And tonight I am joined by Dogbot. What's up? Howdy, y'all. Howdy. Also joining us this evening, Reinhardt. What up? How's it going? What's happening, man? And Otto Waffen Jack. Hello. I'm schizophrenic and I have a gun. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Do all of you have a gun? Uh, yes, yeah. all of us. <laughs> Except for the one. He's kind of a little over the top. Yeah, he can't. He's not a Does he have a flamethrower? Uh... Yeah, well, it's, see, it's a gun that shoots other guns that shoots other smaller guns. It's kind of terrifying. I want to see. That's this. a rather sounds cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. And as long as it's not steampunk, I don't care. Yeah, no, no, yeah. no. Is it just me, or is steampunk really, really gay? It it is. I mean, at at the um, any sort of classic, like original type steampunk literature is is pretty cool, and like old art. Sure, but yeah, now now it's just really gay and an excuse to dress like a whore or oh, once again, it's always been terrifically nerdy. Yeah, like yeah. there's there's it never had any kind of arc that there was no semblance. It was of, cool. Yeah, there was never any. There's never any pretense of steampunk ever being cool. It was always nerds. But I saw a video of like steampunk vehicles, like a steampunk vehicle parade. And the amount of work that these people put into making, like, how would you, what would you describe steampunk, like sci-fi old west? Well, here's, here's, here's what steampunk is. It's a way of glorifying the past and pretending it's futuristic. Yep. So sci-fi old west. Yeah. Or, or Victorian era is, is very popular. Oh, is there, do they do a Victorian one too? I always see like what would, what would be like gun smoke with robots. They, well, that, they do I both. mean, I've never which seen the Victorian, which stuff. was the Wild Wild West series, right? Right. I've never seen the. Uh, you mean the terrible movie with with uh, uh, Tyler Perry and? Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. And Tyler Perry and, and <laughs> Melinda, and Melinda of, Gates. Hey, stop, Melinda Gates. God damn it! <laughs> I couldn't remember her name. <sighs> it's Kevin Klein, lot, right? A lot of damn steampunk it. is basically, you know, like Victorian era stuff, mm-hmm. or, or like. Having a lot of things that have to do with clockwork mm. and gears. Yeah, it's and- it's all mid to late 1800s in America. It'd be Wild West in Europe. It's Victorian era specifically. Okay, um, and everything everything is run off of like steam power, clockwork. Type there's a, there's a lot of brass. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of tubing. There's right a lot for of, no reason. There's a lot of uh, of like flight goggles for somebody that would be flying a biplane. Yeah, right. That's the thing is, everything is supposed to mechanically make sense, but none of it does. No, everybody just kind of like glues gears and puts tubing and random things. Right, like I said, like those vehicles, like the vehicles, the amount of work that they put into some of these things to make them functional, it's crazy. Like you know, like you know how like the locomotive arms that make the wheels turn, right? Yeah, you'll have those, but they're like hyper long and really weird and the vehicle ends up looking like one of those long strider things from the dark crystal you know 
<laughs> Except it's got wheels, you know. It's just like, what the hell? How do these like? Who are these people? And like, what are they? They're designing this kind of stuff. Why aren't they making stuff that like actually works? Real, well, like a, a really big steampunk series was the Mortal Engines book series. Yeah, and yeah, you know, when you when you see the Mortal Engines movie, basically everything is it's it's old timey, but it's futuristic, right? So you have dirigibles with jet engines. This makes no sense. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But Every, um, everything's supposed to make sense. But then, of course, gen, uh, younger generations get a hold of it. They grow up. They make it gay and ruin it. Well, again, I don't see, I don't see anybody doing the steampunk thing that's that's under 40 years old. No, it's always like nerdy guys with, with, with uh, handlebar mustaches. And for some reason, fairly attractive. Some of them are fairly attractive women, but a lot of them aren't. It looks like a lot of them do Ren Faire stuff. Uh, Ren Faire used to be cool, but you know, again, no gatekeeping. And now it's full of trannies and fats. Um, but this to me seems like there was never any pretense of anybody ever being cool involved with steampunk. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, cool. it was it was always a very niche, nerdy, nerdy thing. Yeah, I mean, like how okay, like how different sorts, different communities of nerds all were pretty insular, right? Mm-hmm. Like today, you've got people who are all into steampunk, and like you said, they're into Renfair, they're into D anD D, they're into video games, they're into computers. Like it used to not really be that way. You were you were more of a specialized nerd back in the day, yeah, as opposed to a you, nerd of all trades. Yeah, nerd of all games, as opposed to a nerd of all games. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So yeah, now now you've got the attitudes of like Harry Potter type people mixing into everything else. God, gatekeeping needs to be a thing. Even the nerdy stuff, like that's the thing, is like nerdy stuff. Well, now you have an autistic female lore character in D anD. I'm sorry, but it is too late to gatekeep any of your. No, uh, I know it. I know it. Any your any of your nerd adjacent hobbies or pastimes? Any any hobbies, dog? About any any hobbies? There's, they're they're all <sighs> shooting. The, the, you can't. We can't even have the, shooting. The opportunity to gatekeep was a long time ago, and that was mm-hmm. when people were naive and in the dark that things would be perfectly fine. That the way that they were going. Yeah. I mean, even nerds could bully other nerds. Like nerds could actually gatekeep. Sure. <laughs> once upon sure. a time. You used to be able to gatekeep. Yeah, now you can't. Yeah. There is, like, you can't even talk about, we were talking about shooting the other day. Not that we have guns, because guns are dangerous. But um, we're talking Never about. Never even shooting. heard of them before. Well, we were talking about shooting, remember? But um, you can't, we guys can't even have shooting anymore. There's this YouTube that's, YouTuber that somehow ends up in my feed. She goes by Valk Mommy Bryn. And she's like, mm-hmm. a, have you heard of her, Jack? No, but woman. Six foot tall, like giantess, uh, you know, of course, boobs and butt, right? Wearing spandex camouflage, shooting from the prone position all the time, right? Yeah. From the That's behind. Exactly I mean, what I pictured behind I the mean, butt the, cheek shot. One right? of the opening scenes to Jackie Brown is uh, hot girls with giant cans shooting machine guns. Yeah, but no, but this is from behind the butt cheek. So you get to see the recoil and the, you know, the jiggle, right? Oh, oh, right. Geez. That's like, the whole point. Okay, yeah. but. Also, we've known for a long but, time that firearm culture has just as much of a bug man problem as the sa- as the yeah. the dickhead that collects Funko Pops. It, unfortunately, yeah, no, you're right. Unfortunately, um, 
but it's just like I've seen well girls with guns like girls and guns is hot right you know the picture of the girls with the Uzis and the Ferrari right that's hot but like girls shooting guns no it's still hot it is and it's but we don't we can't have anything no no right just like the girl at the gym doing the deadlifts is hot I mean yeah and the new okay I don't care but the new gym clothes that the girls wear that actually have the thing that makes the shit go up the middle like it actually has the drawstring that they pull I, I, listen I'm let's, like, let's the, stop let's yeah we probably it's, there's no reason to go to the gym anymore guys. I mean, get your weights I, at the house there's no reason just get the weights put them in the garage do the stuff in the garage You're why done. are we posting horn on main we're not <laughs> nobody's posting horn on main we're saying just get that you don't go to the gym because saying, of stop it. being horn yes no, no nobody's saying that either that's that would involve like low T and stuff. Sorry, but you know, yeah. control your horn. Okay. Doesn't mean, okay. doesn't mean don't. Horn, yes, dude. control your horn. You can be listen. You can walk around with with the with the capital H all day long as long as you don't let anybody know, right? Tactical horn. Tactical horn. Okay. I'm calling. I'm calling <laughs> in the horn police right now. A lot of you need to be bonked. I, I, special horns is trrust me. I will. There's. I have two kids in the other room. I'm not my kids. I love, the how, wife I love how you said. Room. I love how you said that earlier. You know, what? yeah this 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 hot chick with machine guns just seems to be popping up in my dude. YouTube I like. Feed. I do. You know, I like, swear uh, to God. Like the I don't watch them. Just like completely had it this bad, <laughs> bro. You know? I don't know, <laughs> dude. I don't want the stuff in sh- in my shorts in my YouTube shorts video. That's like which is all TikTok, by the way. I don't ha- I don't have TikTok, but you can't escape TikTok because all of my shorts are fucking TikTok videos. No, it's all. What do I actually subscribe to? It's like. uh I get stuff from my kids. It has to be my kids' YouTube because I don't follow the Liver King, but I get Liver King shorts, right? I don't follow. Sure. I don't follow Papa Swolio. My son does, but I get Papa Swolio shorts on my stuff. So he might follow Valkyrie Mom, Mommy Bryn, maybe. I don't know. At least if he's your son, If your son follows Valkyrie Mommy Bryn, you just. He's 16. I'm sure he follows a lot of things, dude. I'm not worried about yeah, it. You know what I mean? Okay, that's fair. Ryan yeah. Hart, please give him parenting advice for teenagers. Yeah, do so. Really. <laughs> I, I This I want to hear. Go ahead. I'm, close, I'm, I'm closer in age to I, yeah, you are, son than I am to Johnny. I'm I, I, I was going to say, I don't, think, I don't think your kids hit grade school yet, but like, sure, please, please tell... <laughs> Please tell the audience how to uh, how to. <laughs> it's not a parent thing. It's a cringe a, YouTube uh, thing. He's talking about cringe YouTube stuff. But yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> whatever you know, I, I'm not gonna. Yeah, whatever. He's 16. Whatever. If 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 an occasional butt scrolls by on his on his YouTube, I'm not worried about it. You know what I mean? He's 16. I I I look. I don't, I don't want to talk about this anymore. But uh, thanks for the parenting advice, Reinhardt. <laughs> I, <that> was, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> anyway, uh, happy nine eleven, guys. I know it's tomorrow, but happy nine eleven. Nine eleven's Eve. That's nine eleven Eve. <sighs> if only it would happen again. Yes. Yeah, so <sighs> make, make sure to let out your what is it? Milk and cookies for George Bush claws. Cocaine and what does he drink? Like George Bush Seven in college up. was like yeah cocaine. <laughs> Cocaine and bourbon. The pictures of George Bush in college is like he he is aspired to be like the most scruffiest guy at Yale. He looked he didn't look like he went to Yale. You know who he actually well, looked like back then? Like a young I mean, Charles. I don't Manson. think he, he he didn't want to go anyway. He was like black sheep of the family, or at least that's what they'd like us. To I believe. mean, that's the story. Yeah, that's the story. So. 
Look, Josh Brolin was a very convincing George Bush in that Oliver Stone movie. <laughs> I can't even get through it. Okay, so which which one does does George, is George Bush actually? Is he Charles Manson or is he Ted Bundy? Oh, that's I've right. Seen, he's Ted I've Bundy seen too. Silly, I've seen silly comparison photographs with both. No, I don't think I don't think the Ted Bundy one is even close. And no. Charles Manson, no way. From somebody who does believe that these people get replaced and Jim Morrison is likely Rush Limbaugh, I don't believe that George Bush is either of those people. Yeah, okay. I don't either. I was just wondering, like, you know, which which one are we supposed to ascribe to? Neither. Personally. Okay. I, personally, I ascribe to neither. I, I believe he's a, he's George Bush, you know, Jr. or whatever he is. And, uh, yeah, I don't think he's any of those characters, to be honest. Now, I saw a very convincing video that uh, Elvis Presley lived on to be some no-name pastor. I saw that too. That he went, yeah. He just went on to be uh, somewhere in around Nashville, right? Yeah, just went on to be some no name pastor around Nashville. Yeah. Just had a church and just went back mm. into obscurity with an incredible vocal range that sounds remarkably similar to mm. Elvis Presley, and they have a lot of um, identifying features that are similar. similar. Yeah, he yeah. would start the the hips would start going when he was preaching, right? Well, a little less of that, a little less of that, but, um, you could, you could project in the future and say that this guy has, it does look like what Elvis might've looked like had he toned it down and started aging like a normal person. Hmm. I mean, it's possible, you know, why would, why would you not want to just fade? You know, I mean, if just retire, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, maybe he wanted to go back and be a pastor. I don't know. Make I don't know. Up, and make then up have for some no-name director make a movie called Bubba Hotep where uh, Elvis changes places with an impersonator and the impersonator dies and uh, he goes on and has like a nice little thing going on. As an Elvis then, impersonator? Yeah, and th- but then he like goes into a coma because you know his trailer blows up and uh, he wakes up an old man you know, in, a, in an old folks home. Hmm. And then he has to fight a mummy. I mean, who's sucking the souls out of people's buttholes? The, what? What? Have you, I, have I you never seen Bubba Hotep? I have not. No. It's, a weird, it's a weird one. And also, uh, JFK is there, but JFK is black. And, uh, you know, uh, this does not sound like the part of his movie. brain that's missing was replaced with a bag of sand. This does not sound like a good movie. In in this movie too, I Elvis, Elvis Presley was played by Bruce Campbell. So Bruce Campbell movie. plays Elvis. All right, the movie <laughs> just got better. All right, I'll, I'll I'll give it a shot. The movie got better because. Oh wait, I have heard of this movie. You've mentioned it before, Dogbot. Yeah, I haven't yeah. watched it though. The 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 mummy uh, leaves some graffiti that speaks negatively about Cleopatra in the the bathroom stall. That's in hieroglyphics. Interesting. Hmm. I'm telling you, it's, a, it's, it's an important it's, it's an important part of the plot. Yeah. All right, I, and I did use that noun plot. That I I will I will check it out. 
No, you won't. But no, if you I, did, I, I, I think, will, you, dude, might, I I, I I think you might be entertained. I will. I have a bunch of movies that I need to check out, but like that one you've mentioned a couple times. So, you know, it's, it's got to be, I'll, I'll, I'll skim through it. What's You'll the, skim through it. Oh, thank you, sir. I'm joking. I'm joking. Is it something, <laughs> is it something a 16 year old would enjoy? Like, is it something I'd sit down with the boy and watch? Oh, I was going to say, you're not, you're definitely not 16. No, is it too um, much for him? I think a 16 year old would get a laugh out of it. Okay. Maybe two. All right. So me and the boy will sit down and watch it. It's, it, you know, it's a little bit action adventure. It's a little bit horror. It's a little bit comedy. All right. All right. All right. So I will. I, is it in the movie cabin? Because I'll, I'll look for it there. It better be. All right. Isn't that Okay. If it's not in the movie cabin, I'll have I'll request it and we'll get it. Um, but OK. Back to 9-11. And so, so no, George, George Bush is not in Bubba Hotep. OK. Uh, we don't ascribe to any of the theories that he is either Ted Bundy or um, Charles Manson. I don't know. The Charles Manson one, he does kind of look a little bit like uh, not enough, though. Did you guys see the debunking of the Alex Jones, Bill Hicks thing? The guy that I, I finally muted? No, I did not see that. Uh, he was posting. Um, he's like, use this, use this uh, website, and you post a picture of somebody, and you po- post two pictures, and I'll tell you how closely their you know their faces look like each other. And he was doing, and it's one of those. It's the same website where like you know you can scroll down, you can keep scrolling, and you can do your IQ, and you can see what kind of you know political compass, and you see what kind of a faggot you are, uh, what kind of a you know like what kind of flower you would be, <laughs> what type of like what you know like what what type of horse you would be, you know like <laughs> based on the way you answer the questions, what kind of coffee are you, you know like it's that it's that website right? So it's like you know put this picture in and see what famous person you look like. Well that. Yeah, I don't know. I am still of the belief that Bill Hicks is Alex Jones. I totally think he is. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I I think it's entirely it's entirely possible. It's my opinion that he is. Um I I think that's the most out of all of the replacement and like death faking scenarios conspiracy theories whatever you want to call them that one is the most likely you know what i found funny though about that whole scenario with that guy posted those pictures every time he posted alex jones like current photograph it said he was 57 instead of 47 which is what they're saying he is now he is not in his 40s right but they but right but they say he is he's like late 48 like now he'd be like 48 or 49 no way but the computer that's a that's the hardest 48 that I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's now, what happens he would when you say hang out with Blair it's White. a hard 48 because of all the stress he has to go through. Because he's the most fighting banned. Fighting the New World Order. Right. He's the most banned man on the internet, yet you can find him literally everywhere. Man, a lot of people s- seem to claim that title. It's weird. He's also, he's also aged oh. uh, so poorly in the past, what, decade? And that's the thing is um, your 40s, you know, and with men, it's like, you know, 40s are the new 20s for men, right? Guys age like a fine wine or bourbon and women age like milk. Um, the 40s are a good set of years for guys. When you hit 50, you do start aging more quickly. Um, I've seen it like when my uncles, 
that were my, my youngest uncles were like my older brothers basically. And they're all, um, they're 57 and 58 now. And the difference between 48 and 58 with those guys is huge compared to 38 and 48. Like I can look at pictures of me when I was 30 and compare it to 40 and then compare it to 50. And it's, it's a major difference between 40 and 50 than it is to 30 and 40. It's a way bigger difference. And I'm sure 50 and 60 is even bigger. Yeah, there's no yeah. way Alex Jones is 48. I don't care. Yeah, supposedly he is, let's see, 49 as of February this year. Okay, 49. So he's 49 this year. Bullshit. He's 57, which is what, would, which is what uh, Bill Hicks would be. Yeah, and I love the picture they still use for him on Wikipedia. It's from 2017. He looks, it's still him, like, clean-shaven. Yeah. Well, he's clean-shaved now. You know, when he, 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 he cleans up. He doesn't always, uh, he doesn't always have the beard. But, yeah, he, he's a lot older looking now, man. The wrinkles. Yeah. He's got those hard, hard laugh lines around the eyes, you know. The rage, uh I'm starting to get it from like like furring your brow. You get that, you know, next in between your eyebrows. Wouldn't those be like rage lines? Kind of, yeah. The mad wop. I had a good rant. We should have posted that. Man. I still can't believe. By the way, did you guys? Okay. Did you guys hear the, the trial is over with? Or is it? No, it's the trial is over. Uh, he is he's back in the fold. They have decided to forgive Bonafaci and let Bonerface play with the uh, with with the spear some more. So, oh, I I, I I thought they were saying like, oh, we might do a number around two. Well, I don't know. Oh, did they? Nah, it's gay. Uh-huh. Nah, it's gay. They just lost any and all whatever cred that they had, and at all. Like if this guy doesn't disappear. I don't know what else, like, guy. Nobody's they're listening cartoon to cartoon characters. Yeah, like I said, they look like rejects from, like, a Joker's henchman tryout, you know? Like, I listened to, I think I missed the first 30 minutes of it, but I listened to the rest of it, and holy shit, there was one guy who, after, like, shutting down one of the callers, like, really fucking hard. Um, yeah, this dude was just running cover for him the whole time. Hammer, you could tell he was... Running cover, but he was doing a better job at hiding it and pretending to be fair and whatever. But yeah, mm. no, like the guy who did a lot of the talking, probably more than Hammer, was just running straight com- cover for the guy. He's like, no, 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 what you're trying to claim? I looked really into it, dude. Trust me, like just shut up. A lot of tr- a lot of trust me, bro. Yeah, we are talking about we are talking about Hammer and the Blood Tribe and the trial of uh, Ken Boneface McClellan. But uh, hilarious. So yeah, that that happened. Um, so gay op season is probably officially over now. I don't, I don't know because there was one part. I swear to God, I thought I heard because it was right when uh, Bonerface got on. Uh, one of the first accusations that they tried to address. Uh, he he, I don't know. He, his uh, meth fried brain kind of tripped up, and I swear I heard him say, "I swear to God, I'm going to go commit another felony." I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Man. All right. Well, that's fun. So FedFest 2003 or 2020. Wow. 2003. 2023. Um, 
hopefully it, hopefully it's over. I don't know. I know Handsome Truth was behind this guy too, which is further evidence that he is not a good thing. I don't think he's a CIA asset. The people that are saying that Boneface is a CIA asset is giving this guy way too much credit. Um, like we're believing Laura Loomer now, right? No, I think this guy is just some dude who's gotten you know six felonies and he sells whatever to for whatever twenty dollars he can get here and there. Um, he's that kind of informant. I don't think he's anybody big. Uh, and I think all of that stuff is gay ops anyways, because, you know, Loomer being so conveniently there for her hair appointment. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it is the eve of 9-11, the 22nd anniversary now, this will be, right? 22nd. Um, you guys planning anything big for tomorrow? Um. It's <laughs> a joke. It's a joke, Jack. Just gonna <laughs> just gonna repair a chicken, uh, chicken coop tomorrow. Right, right. Just gonna re- okay. There you go. Uh, Dogbot, you got anything special planned for nine eleven? Go into a friend's memorial service. Oh man, that's right. You are. I'm <laughs> sorry. Okay. I'm sorry, bro. I didn't know that was tomorrow. I didn't know that was tomorrow. My bad, dude. I, I, I that's, yeah. That's okay. It's it's just like no. I mean, you have you a know. real yeah. All right. Not really. So, you know, it's. I mean, it's special. Sure, I didn't mean. Damn it, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I refuse to feel bad about that. No, I do. I feel bad. <laughs> um, no, it's it's just Monday for me, but yeah, I will I will probably post a bunch of stupid 9/11 memes on the Telegram channel and maybe on the uh and maybe on the um the Twitter. Which we do have a Twitter, guys, you know. We can I should give you guys the uh the information so you guys can use the Twitter. So I don't just all I do is post the shows on there. And call Devin Stack a uh, pussy who won't debate me. But, you know, other people are doing that for me now since he's blocked me. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Man, uh, I didn't get to hear, but I'm pretty sure he did, you know, do the whole like, uh, well, yeah, we did do it first, though. Going to the moon. <laughs> nah. I wanted to hear he's, this. I wanted not, to hear the not bug. Gonna stop. Nah, I wanted to hear the bug man copes, you know. But anyways. We actually have content this week, you guys. Mm. Yeah, no, we always have content on the weekends. This um, this one's going to be up a little late than our normal weekend shows. The schedule's been a little off here and there. I've been working a lot, so people people will deal with it. But uh, um, I don't know. I don't have a skew for this dog, but <laughs> I don't really have a skew. We're going to jump back into um into our Jim Jones series. Our cults series on cults that we started way back in the beginning of the season. Um, well, we we had done part one. It was mm-hmm. uh, was Jonestown a CIA medical experiment? It was a book that we had obtained, and it is written by basically someone from the left, and uh, they're very anti Nixon, very anti Nazi, mm-hmm. which there, a lot of the leftist conspiracy theories typically revolve around the concept that the cia is an extension of the nazi ss and going back through history you can find that that is not untrue not it's it's not that it's untrue you know it's just a, it's a very interesting perspective a lot of people uh, have an official narrative set in their mind that mm-hmm. Jim Jones was a a shyster, uh, a, a communist, and you know that he got 
you know, he got a taste of power within this organization that he helped build and uh, basically let the drugs get to his head. And a lot of things started to unravel down in South America and he hit the kill switch on everything, you know, made it seem like it was uh, almost spontaneous. But when you look at the when you look at the overall arcing history of what the People's Church was, it was set up from the very beginning to perform what ultimately this book contends is a medical experiment by central intelligence on seeing what people will willingly do for a leader. And, and and the ultimate price that people would pay is their lives. Mm-hmm. Would they ultimately give up their lives? Now, the results of the experiment, according to this book, is only 10% actually were willing to do that. And everybody else had to do it th- by gunpoint. And in the first part of the series, we talked about the people that were set up to help Jim Jones succeed to be basically the uh, the conductor of this experiment, mm-hmm. you know, and and the the very strange Layton family that every single member of the Layton family on some level was involved in this experiment, right? Which is very odd, or is it really? Um, you see that like the CIA and um, the government in general will use family members, you know, to do projects. You'll have. Like, you know, Jim Morrison's dad and Jim Morrison. <laughs> right. right? And, and the Layton family, it, because the, the people's church was more than just a weird church that preached, you know, some weird kind of liberation theology stuff. Uh, it, they had their fingers in every aspect of the burgeoning war on poverty, social welfare, welfare systems in California. And in you know, like they were cashing checks. Uh, they had they were running old folks' homes where they were they were taking their social security and and Medicaid and Medicare checks, and they were cashing them and you know only giving back a little bit to the elderly that were in these homes. And it was all for the good of the church, it was all, mm. or, or the temple. So this really, <clears throat> Jim Jones did not do this. By himself, he did not. Uh, he was not alone in starting the People's Church, running it all the way to the end of this quote experiment. You know, it really seems that they they strategically place these people. And Johnny, like you said, they use family members. They use entire families, like mm-hmm. it seems this Layton family, um, specifically to support and move things along in the direction that they're wanting to get to right to find out what's what's going to be the end game of this experiment right and uh well and why this first of all why this experiment like what the hell this whole experience this whole thing like what do you think the uh, the the uh the point of this experiment was like just to see how far they could push people just to see how far they could I mean, you know, they can make people kill themselves. Well, looking, I I don't want to stray us too far away mm-hmm. from 
talk about, I know what you wanted to get to, but looking back in hindsight now, we see today how people have been willing to follow certain propped up leaders all the way into you know changing their DNA, begging for things to come in and change their DNA and to change who they are. Um, we see we see the waves from this situation, from this experiment playing out over so many different psyops the past 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ultimate goal of this experiment is to see how far people will follow a charismatic leader and into what treacherous situation based on whatever false pretense they could create. The false pretense that was being created for Jonestown was we are going to have a social utopia where all the races are going to get along and we're going to live in a communal situation to where everybody is pulling their own weight and people aren't getting rich. People aren't going to be poor because we're going to, they're going to be so spiritually fulfilled in this utopian vision by, by being a part of it and watching it grow. And in many cases, these people felt that way. These people actually felt that way about what they were participating in down in Guyana. Mm-hmm. And they felt that way even to an extent whenever they were in San Francisco and whenever they were in Indiana. But the the thing was, is, is it all hinged on one guy? It all hinged on what, what Jim Jones's whims and wishes were. Right. And so they fall, they, they, they had to fall in love with him in order to fall in love with the vision that he was selling them in order to follow through with, with participating in it the entire way. And to, to have him switch, to have him flip a switch at the drop of a dime and say, this, this, this beautiful utopia that we've created is going to come crumbling in on us. Yo, then mm. their whole world has been shattered. He built up this whole this uh this Potokan video village, right? Uh, only to just set fire to it. But right. all along the way, and 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 we're going to illustrate well, I that. I think I don't think it was an actual Potemkin village. I think he actually like there was a thing. There was an actual functioning thing you know they had they had crops they had uh it, it wasn't it wasn't sustainable over a really long period of time with the amount of people that they that they flew in there right well no it, it was probably originally and then they started bringing in more and more and more people and it became unsustainable just like a lot of other stuff that happens like you know with, with that kind of thing but um yeah i don't i mean i think at, at first i mean do you think that jim okay First of all, we got to talk about Jim Jones more. And, yeah, we're we're going to yeah. be talking about Jim Jones, the man, the CIA agent. Right. The uh the the charis- the the and uh, the People's Temple uh as an a criminal organization. That's what this part of the that's what that's right. what this uh the second act of the book is about. Okay. So Jim Jones was selected by the CIA, obviously, to run this operation. Now, was that because he was already a CIA operative? Uh, Jim Jones was a very strange young man who had 
probably familial ties to certain secret organizations. Uh, his dad was very, very much a prominent Klansman and Freemason. Um, his mother was a very strange individual, probably had very strange uh, familial ties as well. Some some even speculate that she had Sephardic uh, familial ties that go back to um, that that go back to when the Moors were in Spain, and uh, you know he started off he started off very early showing his interest in being a charismatic leader. He had a pretend church when he was when he was a kid. He had it was in the loft in the carriage house in his backyard. He would get like the kids in the neighborhood together and he would officiate these weird uh services that were like a combination of science fair and revival. He would have them bring he'd have them bring like their their dead pets over and he would conduct funerals for their dead pets and stuff. Yeah, he was a very strange kid. Uh, there's a uh, a neighbor at the time. To- there's a neighbor he recalls uh, Little Jim's pretend church. Uh, this mm. is a direct quote. He would preach a good sermon. I remember working about 200 feet from the Joneses' place. He would have about 10 youngsters in there, and he would put them through their paces, line them up, and make them march. He'd hit them with a stick, and they'd scream and cry. I used to say, "What's wrong with those other kids putting up with it?" But they'd come back to play with him the next day. He had some kind of magnetism. I told my wife, you know, he's either going to he's either going to do a lot of good or he's going to end up like Hitler. <laughs> uh, oh, everything always goes back to Hitler, right? Always. <laughs> well, so Jim, as a kid, too, didn't he have an IQ of like 120, 110, 120? Um, he was never really interested in school. He always seemed to be interested in bigger, brighter, loftier things. Um, and he he was really big into the science of control, right? Yeah. We see that here, even at a young age, this guy would have been, he would have been how old at this time? Uh, I mean, you know, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Charisma is charisma is one of those things. It's one of those immutable traits that some people either have it or they don't. You don't it's not something that's learned it's it's just almost it's almost inherent and what these early accounts in the book Raven it gets into it gets into a lot greater detail about his childhood mm-hmm. and what it describes basically is a young man that uh no matter what room he went into all the attention was drawn to him you know there was something there was something that was just he just kind of had this different energy than everybody else and so by the time he made it to young adulthood, you know, this was the kind of person that a group like the CIA would be looking for to groom into the kind of person for this sort of a, an experiment. Now, I, I mean, you could say that they they probably didn't have like 100% of control of what he had going on. And it probably got a, like according to some of the accounts of things that occurred inside the people's church uh, when it was in Ukiah, things got wild with him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and they probably just permitted it because they're like, well, the experiment's going along, so 
all this other weird stuff he's into. You know, whatever. There, because you know, you know, all the people in power are into weird stuff too. So it's probably just a, the tip of the iceberg level of weirdness. No, this guy was a very strange man. But uh, um, where are we at now with this? Do we talk about his fascination with Hitler yet? Well, um, <laughs> because of course, because of course, you know, Jim Jones, you got to bring in Hitler and the Nazis. If you're going to talk about if you're going to talk about experiment, medical experiments, you got to talk about the Nazis, right? Or or charismatic leaders yes. that, well, that people was... can't seem to figure out why they were charismatic. You know, when right. they look at him, you, when when people look at a picture of Hitler, they're like, "How's that guy charismatic?" And then you see speeches of him speaking, and you're like, "Oh, I could see how people might have been, you know, roused up by that." Right. 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 I, I I mean it. Jim Jones, it's a little, it, it's it's a little bit of a similar thing. He was this weird kind of swarthy looking dude who had like ethnically indiscriminate features. He was Anglo. He was Jones. He was they're Welsh. Jones yeah, is the Welsh name. You know, he's American. Yeah, but he he looked he looked different. You know, like he could have passed as some kind of odd Hispanic. You know. I mean, he had that Elvis-ish look to him. A little bit, but right. I mean, I I could see the the Hispanic look with Jim Jones, like that white Hispanic. Um, I guess I don't know. Um, almost like a mixture of Elvis and Javier Bardem. Yeah, I mean, I think that look is a little put on, though. I mean, the song, he's well, all, you know, with the sunglasses and stuff doesn't help. Oh, yeah. No, but he's no, just, just got dark just hair. His... He's just a white dude with dark hair. I don't know. He doesn't look. Yeah. He doesn't look that. Like, he he doesn't. To me, he doesn't look ethnically. I mean, he could be. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess he could be Kurdish even. Like, you know, it looks like he could be like a Saddam looking kind of a guy, I guess, you know. Um, No, I guess. You know what? Dog I guess. I don't know what he looks like, to be honest. He he could pass if if you didn't know who he was and you saw a picture of him and somebody said. But then again, and somebody said he was Arab or Hispanic, you'd be like, yeah, you know, I could see it. But if but then again, you look at the pictures of him and he does look like a greasy southern pastor. I, as as I said, ethnically indiscriminate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and for the time period, especially where he grew up. It was, you know, it was a lot of German and Celt uh, population. It wasn't, you know, he, he stood out. I mean, being swarthy, do Germans are oftentimes swarthy. You do know the Ben Franklin statement, right? He thought that the Germans were too swarthy to be considered white. Yeah, he also, you know, banged whores. So, you know. Okay, that doesn't invalid that doesn't invalidate that statement. You ever seen Germans like before? Like any non-Bavarian Germans are usually pretty dark, dude. Mm-hmm. It sounds like some anti-German sentiment that I hear going on, but that's okay. No, I mean <laughs> you can be gay about it and whatever, but I'm not wrong. Like, dude, look at pictures of, of look at pictures of World War One Germans. They all look brown. 
Well, and the blonde hair, blue eyed thing was always. Uh, That's just a fucking Jewish fucking stereotype to, to like anti German bullshit, dude. Yeah. Like Heidi's not even German. That's Swiss. Germans aren't known for blonde hair. Dude, I, almost German girls I knew were like darker. I don't know many blonde German girls, by the way, to be honest. I don't know. The, I, I, I think the German blonde hair, blue eyes thing is just a Jewish bullshit thing that they threw on because the Holocaust and all that, you know. But anyways. Well, according to the author, he strongly believes that Jim Jones had a fascination with Hitler and study. And because his dad was in the KKK and he studied the he studied the Nazi philosophy at least from a distance, according to him, you know, that he studied and understood the Nazis, you know. Well, well it's I all absolutely... about that charisma, that charm and control. Oh, of course, because that's, you know, every seven, eight year old in the United States and the, the period of time was studying about the Nazis, right? And Hitler and his, you know, uh, and his charisma and means of control. No, I don't. I don't know. The neighbors quote, you know. Yeah, I told my wife, you know, he's either going to do a lot of good or he's going to end up like Hitler. I want to see, is that in the, uh, can somebody scroll through the, the PDF and see, that is that is citation number 50. Can you find that at the, at the back that of the is, book? <clears throat> that is citation 50. Uh, let me. Yeah, I want to see what the, what the citation actually says. Because um, that to me, that to me sounds a lot like, uh, remember the Ted Kaczynski documentary? That sounds uh, a lot yes. like the, that sounds a lot like the neighbor girl to me talking to say that. Oh, uh, footnote fifty pending. <laughs> so okay. we can't even verify. Okay, so no, I'm just going to say I, I don't think I don't think Hitler was a household name in the 40s and 50s right after Second World War. I I don't think he was a household name like that. Mm, I when was this? Would have been the 50s. This this would yeah, have been would have been. So he was born in 1931. This would have been 40s, mid 40s. If he was, well, no. How old was he supposed to be? 10. Yeah, it'd be 1941. Okay, so 1941. So yeah, Hitler might have been a name. He was on Time Magazine. Yeah, yeah but nobody, name. not a household name, as in regards to like the Holocaust and being insane and. You know, no, but at murder. the time, at the time, he was a charismatic leader that everybody loved. Yeah, I could see. Now, I can see a boy following that. Right. You know, there's a guy. Here's this guy over there. He's taking his country from rags to riches out of the, out of what the. Uh, was not the Balfour. Was it the Balfour? What was the. What was the agreement that ruined Germany? It was the Balfour Treaty agreement. of Versailles. The Treaty of Versailles. That's the one. I, I get all Balf- the, Balfour, Balfour was um, uh, Israel. Israel. That's right. The Balfour Agreement. Yeah. That's the transfer agreement. Yes. Um, I mean, that didn't help. Nah, it didn't help either. Uh, that didn't help either. <laughs> uh, no, they're still paying for that shit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can see because Hitler was very popular, man. In the Midwest, Hitler, like in the Midwest, was highly German. Uh, and the National Socialist Party in the United States, the, the German Nazi, or the American Nazi Party, was a big was a big deal back then. So I could see kids being into Hitler at the time, and it not being a very big deal because Hitler was cool until, you know, we had to stop him. For- the supposition of the book is that because he was wanting to be such a powerful leader himself, 
he saw in Hitler qualities that he wanted to emulate. Sure. And and I, because and because Hitler is is history's biggest supervillain, mm. that's a terrible thing to want to emulate. Exactly. However, like I'm saying, in the nineteen thirties and forties, until until, you know, World War II, Hitler was on the cover of Time magazine. He was one of the greatest leaders of all time. Everybody loved him. Uh, so it wouldn't have been a bad, it wouldn't have been bad at the time to want to emulate Hitler. You follow what I'm saying? No, to look at, to look at the organizational structure, right. the philosophy, the, um, but then the standards, right. But then skip ahead, skip ahead. You know, now it's, Oh God, he's such a terrible person, right? He's the biggest, baddest. He's like Darth Vader incarnate. But you know, but that didn't happen until way later. So I can see this guy is this guy is trying to he's trying to weasel bad Hitler optics in with stuff that wouldn't have been period periodically correct. You know what I'm saying? I see what the I see what the author is trying to do here, but I don't have a problem as even as a normie, like I wouldn't have a problem with it because Hitler was actually extremely popular in the United States until World War Two. I think I think more importantly was his introduction to evangelicalism and to what uh, like the evangel the uh, oh evang- evangelicalism or what evangel- how, Reinhardt how do you yeah, say it the, yeah evangelical Christianity this yes. this was also during the rise of like the um the revival tent mm-hmm. church stuff because yeah what he saw there what he saw in those churches were people. Just like he got like whatever he saw in Hitler in the in the history books or whatever, like that was just academic. Hitler wouldn't but have been in the history books. What he got to see then, in though. these, what he got to see happening in these tents, he got to see the power of charisma over an audience in in real time. Sure, totally true. But I don't. He wouldn't have read about Hitler in a, in a history book yet. I don't think. No, it would have no. It would have been like it would been again. It would have been like Time Magazine. Anyways, so what is this? I think you're both saying the same thing, but (laughs) well, no, because yeah, but yeah, the charismatic part about Hitler, like that, like there's no, I don't know. I'm I'm looking over this section again, and like he's really trying to make it sound like you know the Nazi Party and the KKK really influenced him. Like I don't know how the Nazi Party would have influenced. It would have been later in his life that it influenced him, not that when he was a boy. He's trying to retcon the Nazi stuff into his into his. Sure, he he wanted to be like Hitler, but when he was a boy, it was okay to like Hitler. This this author is just like misconstruing that whole part of the story for his dramatic effect. Anyway. Yes, I can see, and, and I can see why. Like, if he, you know, if he, if he did want to emulate Hitler as a kid, and then, then going into the the tent revivals, I mean, those guys, the fire and brimstone preachers of the fifties, whoo, well, Pentecostals, the Pente- I mean, yeah, that, that's that's what he got involved with mm-hmm. at first. Is is that right, Dog? About was the Pentecostal movement? Yeah, and uh, he got to learn about uh, he got to learn about discernment. Uh, discernment is basically this sort of huckster trick. Um, it's a popular revivalist trick. Uh, you would call out the names of various people in the audience and discern some secret about them as if God had provided you that information. 
he would uh, reveal like phone numbers or physical complaints or past illnesses and the you know the subject would step forward and the preacher would pray for them and then a slap on the forehead they would you know they they would pass out and uh it was like it was like a combination of getting smacked in the head and like just the emotional overload overload that this person has oh my god that you know god has spoken to them directly about my life and uh you know sometimes you know like it, you know you also have the phenomenon in pentecostal churches where people speak in tongues and stuff like that as the demons are being removed from them and all this stuff is an act to draw in further to draw in people further yeah, faith healing is a big part of it as well. You know, the leg lengthening jokes, but that that's where all this started. Like we we kind of laugh, we look back and laugh at some of that now or or say, "Oh my god, that's just that's just horrible and it's still going on." But this is where it really got started and I think was was some of the most prevalent um and powerful movements. And that's not saying all of them were terrible, but yeah, in, in these, there was so much control that Jim was able to see in real time, like you said, dog bot, experience it and understand how it works. And they would take it a step further with props. Like there was a there was a black woman in one of the churches that had that had throat cancer, and she was also becoming wise to some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes. And they decided to single her out and Jim Jones removed the throat cancer and through sleight of hand he would emerge and, and be holding like a spoiled chicken liver dripping with with blood from a from a blood like a hollywood blood capsule jeez oh, you know and people would think holy holy crap he he removed her throat cancer no she uh still had the cancer <laughs> yeah but yeah. Oh my god. There was a colon cancer actually. One that he did, I guess. A rectal passing. But did he put his hand up there? Much well, I mean, but much like the violence in a Greek theater play, uh, this was done off stage. Oh, okay. And left well, up to the audience's imagination. So so the fisting that might not have been the, his hand. <laughs> so the right. So the fisting preachers throw over there. Blah. <laughs> so I mean, but he was one of those. He was one of those guys that could get the whole crowd on their feet and hooting and hollering and praising Jesus and screaming and hollering and amen and, and all kinds of, you know. And then and you know probably get somebody to run up and down the aisles and 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 then out comes the offering plate. Get everybody yeah, all whipped up and then ask for money. Yeah, I mean, like I said, this is where all this started. And you got these these traveling preachers and these revival tent guys that are driving, you know, really nice cars at the time would. They would have been driving really nice Cadillacs, had you know diamond ring, really nice suits. Um, and it's it's a bit of a rock star lifestyle that a lot of these guys were leading. Right, and they were, but they're preachers, though. These are men of right. God. Huckster met quote men of God have right. always been around, and this. With with the growing connectivity in the 20th century, throughout the country, throughout the world, at the time, this I mean, it just ramped up. It's like uh, Jack Hiles ran the largest church in the entire country, something like 55,000 people, and was bussing people in 
uh, I think in Dallas was where the church was, was busing people in from like four hours away on Sundays. These guys had immense control. Hmm. And uh, busing, busing was a really big thing in the People's Temple as well. Uh, the People's Temple, the, the, the way it was structured, according to the author, was very similar uh, to the caste system of ancient Egypt. So in, this, in the paragraph, uh, you can find it on page 116, it says here, uh, no one would argue with the fact that Jones was a brilliant religious showman whose talent in the pulpit could have, could have been successful with any demographic, but Jones never tried to recruit wealthy Caucasians. He wanted an exclusively black congregation. By almost all accounts, his congregation was both black and white, but this multiracial image was simply not true. His organization resembled the caste system of ancient Egypt. The capstone at the peak of the pyramid was the Pharaoh, him. Everything else w- existed to support him. The lower level consisted of a group of priests and physicians and merchants, and they were all white. Uh, the, mm. and then you had the air quotes congregation. And so his his middle management, the the Caucasians, they're the ones that collected, they, they were like spies and they collected all the information and that they, 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 they arranged all of the, the tricks, you know, with the rancid chicken livers and the phony faith healings. Right. And, uh, he used these white lieutenants to extort money with his works from the blacks. Uh, the blacks admired him for his self-proclaimed divinity, and the whites admired him for his ability to com- convince the blacks of his divinity and fleece their pockets at the same time. It's just incredible. It's, I mean, yeah, it's a pretty incredible grift that he pulled off there. Um, but he didn't, he didn't pull it off forever. But, uh, no, skip, and the people ahead. the people that started to catch on, they got othered very quickly or they ended up suspiciously dead. And especially when they were in California. So they Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. In Indiana, not so much. Because the latter half of the people's temple in Indiana is when he began his actual um getting his field training with the CIA in South America and Hawaii. Hmm. And also interest and also interesting note, uh, and this is on page a hundred, uh, 120 is that all of the people's temples, uh, physical locations were always, always, um, reclaimed synagogues. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I, I, I mean, I I don't I don't believe in coincidences. I just I find that to be ironic. You know, like who would know that like in Ukiah, California in the 60s there would be a a synagogue that went under for them to take over or in Indiana. You know. Sounds like CIA was making sure they always had a uh, a place to go and they're like, "Hey, let's pick from our our synagogue list." Right. Right. And so in Indianapolis, uh, he purchased the new People's Temple, which seated 400, and the adjacent brick uh, parsonage. It was long enough to house 40 people to live on the premises. 
and he purchased that property from Rabbi Maurice Davis for fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Hmm. Took possession of the building with a small down payment and promised to pay the balance interest free in one year's time. Now, have you ever heard of a Jewish person selling anybody anything interest free? Uh, not no. even once. No, not, not even once. Both people's temples in San Francisco and Los Angeles were like in Indianapolis, former Jewish synagogues. This is interesting what it says. Uh, a couple sentences down. Um, let's see, where is it? Yeah, perhaps it was the church-like atmosphere, but with geometric designs in the stained glass instead of portrayals of Christian saints. Jones liked the eternal flame that was left by the previous tenants. He kept it lit in place of the traditional Christian cross. Huh. Interesting. What does that eternal... Uh, I, I, I have heard some people presuppose that the eternal flame is actually the light of Lucifer. Yeah, they have something similar in Zoroastrian temples. Um, they always they always keep a flame going, as well. And Zoroastrianism obviously is one of the one of the oldest solar and um, uh, fiery snake religions out there. Now, this detail that uh, the for the author, this detail that they were drawn to reclaim synagogues is contradictory to his love of Hitler and Nazism. Yeah. You know? Because you would think someone who loved Hitler and was into Nazism would want to stay far away from a synagogue. Kind of weird. You know, you would think that people that were into Hitler and Nazis would not want to be near a synagogue at all. Yeah. Or step foot in one or but, step foot in one or live near one or anything. Yeah. But, but maybe it had absolutely nothing to do that because maybe Jim Jones is a human being was simply not ideologically driven. He was mission driven. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, and the mission was the experiment mm. and he was following, you know, he was following orders and he was a full blown CIA agent by the time he returned to Indiana. Like he may have been an aspiring charismatic leader growing up. You know, he was, he, he always, I think that Jim Jones growing up always wanted to be a great big somebody. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And 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 in in this in the spirit of pragmatism, he did whatever he was he he did whatever that desire led him to do. Yeah. Well, and especially after joining the CIA and and after I don't know if we're going to hit a break anytime soon or what, but I I definitely would like to know how he became involved. Um, however much we can know, but you say he's mission driven, and he was already driven by his desire for. Uh, whether it was pure power, control, whatever, that was his desire. The CIA then seems to have taken him and given him direction, not just the experiment, but given him direction and drive to find another solution to get what he always wanted. Right. Yeah, they leveled him up, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But he had, I mean... They, I'm sure they, they find these people when they're young and, you know, groom them into what they really want. You know, I mean, they find somebody like him. They probably heard about him. Um, again, they may have, uh, dude. The CIA probably has feelers and um, talent scouts literally everywhere. 
Well, they probably, they, I mean, maybe one of their agents bought a monkey from him when he was in college. Oh, that's right. He was a monkey salesman. Yeah, he was loafing through college. Uh, he basically was there to get laid. He had no real interest in it. You know, that's what all the accounts of from professors and people that went to college with him were. He was just really smart, but he couldn't apply it to anything. Yeah. That sounds didn't familiar. Per- didn't personally interest him. Sounds more like a lot was, of. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, sounds a lot like a bunch of Gen Xers. <laughs> but. Well, yeah. You know, uh, what were you saying, Reinhardt? I was going to say he was interested in the practical application of knowledge, you know, for his desires and not just mindless, meaningless academics. Yeah. I mean, but you would think someone who was wanting to be, you know, a preacher or whatever it was he was, what did he go to college for? Do you know? Do anybody know? I think it was medical stuff. Okay. Yeah, you because know, he worked right. in a hospital like for a while. Medicine and science. It was like si- he, some he met his stuff. wife at a hospital. She was a nurse. Oh, okay. Um, and he forced her to have this uh, ridiculous family with Korean kids and black kids that he adopted. Yeah, he he like he basically took was it Ronnie the one kid? He basically took him away from her mom. He's like, yeah, she can't raise this kid. He's mine now. Yeah, like illegally, I guess. But who's going to challenge that? Right. I mean, the South Korean government tried to. <clears throat> Was, say what now? The South Korean government. Uh, at the time, I, I know it says right here, yeah, they didn't. So this was post-Korean War, right? You've got a lot of Koreans getting out of the country, trying to make new lives. And, of course, the American military was like, yeah, sure, come here. Um, but the South like Korean they government. Always do was telling them that our okay you people may be racist against your blacks we're racist against literally everyone that isn't korean why are you mixing our children right well yeah the koreans well, but asians here, are very racist well here's the thing the korean war was the first war in which there were a lot of leftover half-breed uh bastard kids from from the american gis that that it was it was an issue. Wow. Yeah. They just didn't so, say anything. They didn't say anything about the European ones. No. No. But because these because these were racially mixed. Right. 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 There was you know, and and so there was a push. Uh, there was a push at the time to accept these kids as Americans and have them come to America. So one of the original People's Temple Griffs was trying to get people to want to care about this issue. And to take them in and adopt them. And he thought it would be a good idea to adopt a couple uh, to show that, like, because he didn't he didn't bother raising them or anything. He just wanted he's like, look, I practice what I preach, mm-hmm. you know, and th- and I, I don't know. I don't know how money was exchange exchanged. There was probably some kind of government stipend involved. And, you know, there was probably money being made off the, the scam. Oh, everything uh, before, he did, everything he did, he did to make money. Um, yeah, there was there was some kind of there was some kind of grift component, like taking money from the government, uh, and using the fake the fake church. Especially when, especially when welfare started coming into play. Oh, uh, during, during yeah. the war on poverty. Oh, yeah. 
The war on poverty. All it did is create oh, more, more poor people. Isn't the war weird? for poverty. Isn't it weird how um, all these wars that we fight, this country, we fight, all it does is create more of whatever we're fighting? More poverty, more drugs, more terror. Yes, Ron Paul. I agree. Yes. Wow. Now, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Ron Paul's not wrong. I know, but I, I think it's I think it's awesome that you just Ron Paul posted. You leave Ron Paul alone. No, I, I owe the man an apology. You don't. You know, don't he's right about a lot of stuff. He's right about a lot of stuff, but apparently trying to take over was the name of the was the name of the island <laughs> with David Duke Taiwan. No, Oceania or some shit like that down by. Oh yeah, remember that they they tried a coup of a little of a little island down in the in the, in the Caribbean and make a little Whiteopia. Um, that was when David Duke used to do things besides ruin everything that he touched. I, I always liked the old Ron Paul 80s idea that we should have gone back to the Articles of Confederation. Oh, yeah. He was pushing that hardcore. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny, back in my day, David Duke used to actually do stuff. No, he, I mean, other, no. other than not get in the van. Oh, yeah. <laughs> other than not get shut up. But, uh, other than not get in the van. Yeah. That's, oh, my God. No, before cell phones, David Duke. No, the more I look at that, every time I look at that picture, the more mad I get that those motherfuckers left me. Well, before you, before you think about that. Anyways, moving on. Yes. Uh, uh, let's before get back we go to, to break, I wanted to talk about the first time uh, Jim Jones decided to freak everybody out. Well, so. On page, if you go to page well, on, 123, you... okay. it's the start of the fake death threats. Because oh, okay. one of the things that he picked up on early on is that his tenuous grasp on people's attention and their love and adoration for him, um, when people started drifting off, he had to he had to think of something fast in order to get people in order to draw people back in. And he would double down on this multiple times over the course of his, you know, over the course of being ringmaster of this experiment. But he, the death threats. Mm-hmm. Real quick, know, before before you go to the death threats, who is Stephanie? Which was, so Jim, Stephanie, and a contingent of supporters traveled to Cincinnati for one of their exchange services. Young Stephanie rode in another car with Mabel Stewart. Temple's nursing home supervisor and four of her workers. All six would die in a car crash of undetermined cause. Uh, Stephanie was was one of his adopted kids outspoken about. uh, I I think she was outspoken about stuff that was going on in their household. Okay, but she's is she an adopted daughter? She's she's one of their adopted daughters. Okay, that's I'm just trying. Yeah, because I was we're, part of the part to, of the so-called Rainbow family. Right. I was I was getting to where we were we were just at, and I was like, wait a second. I saw that Stephanie in the car accident. Wait a second. Who's this? So now he's killing his kids. So he's now he's killing. Now he's having his. Jeez, dude. Well, he traded the kids the same way he did the monkeys. He, which yep. not very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it strikes me that Jim Jones is is the kind of guy, and maybe. The author does say this at one point, and I just missed it. Maybe I'm just pulling out of my memory. But he's, he really seems like the kind of guy who never actually had real relationships, did not care about people, um, only saw them for their uses. Uh, no, you're you're spot on. He, he's 
he's a full on narcissist, you know, and he is the, he, he is the modern definition of the sociopath. Hmm. Like he can put on a good mask when he goes out around people, but as far as how much he actually cares about the people he's interacting with, you could you could probably venture to guess he did not care about them whatsoever. Yeah. As as long as he cared about them as long as it served his ends. Right. And so to that end, he starts with fake death threats. Well, he had to. People were starting to people were starting to drift off. And uh so he had to think of who who could make death threats to him that would draw people back in. And so he came up with the Nazi party and the Ku Klux Klan. And they they he would have his white lieutenants call in bomb threats and you know uh and, and he had to other he, he had to do the us against them thing. Right. Right. And so you always have to have an enemy. Did, he did some of the original hate hoaxes. He painted swastikas and racial insults on the home. He he had his white lieutenants paint uh, swastikas and racial insults on the homes of his black followers. Yeah, and they, and they all bought it. They bought it hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. Just like just like everybody buys a hate hoax at least for a little while until right. it, until the person outs themselves later. Unless they draw a swastika mate with poop, in which case. You guys remember the poop swastika? Oh yes. Yeah. What college? I can smell was it today. What co- Stop. What college was it? It was a college too. I was like, no. I remember. I remember the uh, the clan hood in the window. Mm. You remember that? White, it, it was just a white out. hoodie. It was just a, it was just a sheet over a dummy in the medical unit. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um. So. Jim Jones used his knowledge of these 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 groups that supposedly people hated, right? The Klan and the Nazis. well, they were they're all in the news, right? They're all, right, you know. So they they were all known uh, known villains, mm-hmm. you know, and well, and and actually, they were really insignificant in the scheme of things. They were. His Do you guys know everything? Like nobody really. Nobody cared. Hmm. Nobody cared that this this weird white dude was in downtown Indianapolis trying to preach to a bunch of blacks. Hmm. You know, so this was a way of making noise. Right. Right. Like a lot of these grifts, nobody cares about them. Exactly. (laughs) You know, other than the people that are getting grifted. And they like to keep them in their little pens and keep everybody out. Really weird, huh? They, They do a lot of the othering and... Strange how this this carries on into other cults and you know, but just just like other things like um, the Black Panthers and other mm. fake uh, other other fake people's organizations. No they wait, had, the, the Black Panthers were real. Well, the Black Panthers were real, but they had a lot of fake social programs to uh, excuse their radicalism. Oh right, right, okay. And so and so some of the social programs that the People's Temple had were. Uh, to get good publicity mm-hmm. were like soup kitchens and uh, like after school classes for wayward teens where they would basically to see what, 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 what was the, what was the catch there? Uh, you're just drawing in people. You're trying to find, you're okay. trying to find new marks. You know, if, if you draw on, if you draw on the wayward teenagers, you could get in, you can get in pretty good soldiers. 
To entertain way. idle teenagers, so bored kids. Well, wayward, wayward yeah. kids. Uh, you know, uh, single parent, single parent homes were rare at that time, but they existed in the inner city. Sure. Well, so in you, the inner city, you, they've you, always kind of been there. Yeah. So you you get you get teens that are uh, irritable and discontent. I keep forgetting he's yeah he's he's looking for blacks. So yeah. I get no, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. And, and these these ended up becoming his most loyal soldiers for the entire experiment. Yeah, because he's he's brought them out of the gutter, so to speak, and given them a purpose, given them drive, and you know, with his narcissistic sociopathic talents, he's able to put on the face of, you know, a a father figure, religious figure that cares about these people. Um and that's it's a sickening way to create very loyal followers and soldiers. People that would shoot a U.S. congressman for you. Right. So er- early on in Indiana is where he learned to game the senior home, the senior home system uh, for savings and pensions and also social security checks. You know, he, he took, he took what they learned about, about uh, leeching off of this victim class uh, he they applied it on a much larger scale once they went to California, mm. and they used all that money to fund the experiment, and that way it stays off. That way, the CIA experiment stays off of the government books. Well, I mean, there's thousands of ways to keep money off the books for the government, but um, that's what that's what the off author of the book is pretending. Oh well, sure. Um. Oh, apparently Jim Jones didn't didn't spend the money on himself. A lot of these cult leaders, you know, church leaders, cult leaders, whatever you want to call them, uh, they lead lavish lifestyles. They have, you know, Joel Osteen lives in a bajillion dollar house. He has umpteen cars, right? Wears multiple thousand dollar suits. Jim Jones wore old clothes, uh, drove in a beat up car, didn't have designer shoes or designer sunglasses. Um didn't spend a lot of money on himself. Like all the money that they grifted, the grift was for the church was for the program was to get this thing as big as possible. Interesting. Interesting that a grifter used the grift to not buy 12 of the same thing. And you know what I mean? Actually put it into, actually put it into their business to grow the business, to make the grift even bigger. Weird. It's almost like a smart businessman grifter, but I mean, but then, but then the CIA came along and was like, "Wow, we could use you. <laughs> You're doing really good stuff. The blacks love you." And it, it was, I guess, it was very odd for uh, for a white dude to have such sway with uh, with blacks. He was the original first. Uh, he was probably the first whitest black man, uh, white uh, or blackest white man alive, right? Like Donald Trump. Like Donald Trump was up until he ran for president. He was the black or Bill Clinton. Dude. Bill Clinton was our first black president. He went on Arsenio Hall and played the saxophone. Remember? Sure. Even though, yeah. I mean, you telling me that you tell you really you telling me that uh, Grover Cleveland and Rutherford B Hayes was white. So, I'm telling you yeah. that they could not play the saxophone as well as Bill Clinton. I'm just saying Andrew, Andrew Jackson could. He what was it? No, that's a line out. That's you know a line how to blow on that cartoon. read, man. It's like you you trying to tell me that Ulysses S. Grant, Grover Cleveland, and Rutherford B. Hayes was white. Those are some of the black. Those are all black people names. Those now. are the black right now. Tyrone was now. a Scottish name at one point, dude. 
Yeah, it's still a county in Ireland. Yeah, there's a um, there's a show called Laird of the Glen or something like that. It's a Scottish show about a a family that inherits a castle or some shit, and uh, super like uh, no pause whatsoever. It's great. It was a great show. I, I we watched it a long time ago. The wife and I. It was really good. Um, but one of the older guys' names in the show is named Tyrone, and he's an old white guy. And like, whoa, as an American, this is weird. You know. <laughs> Go get Tyrone. You expect a big Negro to come around the corner. Nope. It's an old white guy with a really thick Scottish accent. Really cool. <laughs> well, if you look at pictures of Jim Jones, too, like the majority of what I'm seeing on DuckDuckGo right now is him surrounded by black reverend after black reverend. Mm-hmm. I mean, he received an MLK Jr. Award. Yeah. Wasn't he? Um, I was the guy. Well, he died probably before the Glide Church guy. Cecil Rhodes. Isn't he friends with Cecil Rhodes yet? You think? Cecil Williams. Cecil Williams. I'm sorry. Cecil Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, Cecil Williams. Yeah. Cecil Cecil Rhodes is a uh, uh, South Africa. Different. Yeah. Different. Road. No. Cecil Williams is the black church, and yeah, I worked at his church, the Glide Church in San Francisco. I did the fire alarm system in there. Oh, it's funny. Oh, it's hilarious, dude. It's it crazy to see the homeless going in there twice a day. I you know I can see how uh, a grifty church cult like church goes because glide is definitely one of those cecil cecil williams i mean oprah hangs out there when she comes to san francisco you know it's like that kind of church um but they have they have uh three meals a day for the homeless they have a free clinic up on the fourth floor and they do like counseling and job placement and stuff for those that really want to you know change and whatever but uh it was pretty interesting but definitely a cult like him cecil williams another cult church leader but back to Jim Jones. Um, so he he put his money back into the grift. I mean, you kind of got to give it to him there, right? He had well, a retirement plan, right? Yeah, and it was and it was all about power and control. And you know, he he didn't need to be rich in monetary funds, but he was rich in um, in connections and rich, I'm sure, in. Uh, Oh, flesh. The dude got more butts than ashtrays. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he didn't care, male or female. He yeah, he did gay stuff. He did. He he would do gay stuff in front of women and then whisper in their ear when he was done. I'm the only heterosexual in this entire organization. Right. And the women would somehow be like, OK, and have sex with him after it, he just had sex with a black man. Yep. Yep. It's, it's like the hello human resources meme right okay. except ex- yeah except they're all like you're so sweet you know <laughs> that's yeah. the it's you're so sweet and hello human resources right yeah yeah i saw one um, this, i saw one this morning that's the only reason why i know that do a break oh yeah man we're we're running wow yeah let's do a break uh dogbot you are here this week you picked a song uh it is Cold Cave, People Are Poison. Okay, it's Cold Cave. Sort of a nod to the Flavor Aid. Oh, right on, yeah. Or we'll listen to... I was going to say the Kool-Aid. Everybody knows it's Kool-Aid, but it's actually Flavor Aid. It was Flavor Aid, yeah. Yeah. Kool-Aid man had nothing to do with it. No. (laughs) All right, we're going to listen to Cold Cave, and we'll be back.
All right, everybody, we're back. This is still the Paranormies. I'm still Johnny with Dogbot and Reinhardt. Uh, Jack is off somewhere um, doing things. But uh, we're going to go back and talk about Jim Jones some more. Um, when we left off, uh, where did we leave off? We left off with um, him not spending a lot of money on himself, but also oh, and, having a lot of sex. Yeah, and we, we, we left with the Cold Cave song, and they're really awesome live, by the way. I, I just want to I was talking about the content. I know what the song was. Yeah. They don't play the song that I I picked. That's just one of my personal favorites. They don't they don't play that one. But man, they put on a really good show. I honestly, that song was the very first Cold Cave song I think I've ever heard. I don't think I listened to them at all ever. They're a little spooky. A little I don't know. Do they have a, Do they have a, Do they have a popular song? Uh, Underworld USA. Is that how popular? Like. Radio popular, popular enough. Radio popular. Probably could have played on the radio. I'd have to look it up. I don't because I don't it, recognize it. I it, it would have made a decent radio song. Okay. Well, I'm because I, I don't recognize the name or any. Yeah. So, what genre technically would they be? Post punk, you know, but with like synthwave stuff going on. <sighs> okay. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, you know, like the same kind of stuff that Sisters of Mercy was. Or New Order. That would explain why I've never listened to him. All right. So back would to this, Jim Jones. Would this be a band that they would play in the People's Temple? No. 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 And no. I almost picked a People's Temple song because oh, really? all of them are up on YouTube as, as the break song. But I'm like, no, that's a little much. That's funny. Um, oh, moving along on the timeline, uh, this would be about the time that... Uh, the C- well, the CIA got involved with, with Jim Jones, right? Um, and that's public knowledge, isn't it, that, that he was involved with the CIA? Well, no, it was public knowledge that he was in these three countries while these CIA things were going on. Oh, that's right. And so the three countries the, it, were... It's the, it's, it's the author's speculation that he was... That based on... The physical timing of uh, the physical presence of he him being there during these three major political events uh, south of our border that he must have been involved in some capacity that it was part of his well he uh, says getting his agency chops right those were his first three missions right because it says here he's like uh, he was equally admired by his Caucasian assistants, not for his demi-divinity, but for this talent to attract, organize, control, and deceive black people, reliability for a white man. Sometime prior to 1960, Jones's work caught the attention of the Central Intelligence Agency. Always on the lookout for talented people to recruit, the federal agency recognized Jones's power over blacks and offered to help him in his career in exchange for his services rendered. He may not have had a choice, but in any event, Jim Jones joined the CIA. That's the last bit of that chapter, chapter three. Chapter four is actually called Three Countries, Three Commissions. So, okay, so it was the Bay of Pigs, British Guiana, and then Brazil. So he was in all three of those countries when all that stuff happened. Interesting. I did yes, not and, know and about then, Jim and, Jones, uh, his involvement in the uh, in the, uh, the the Cuban thing. I didn't know that. Well, it, the author also 
makes the speculation that Fidel Castro, because he was an actor in Hollywood, uh, that he was groomed by the CIA to deceive the Russians and uh, be their fa- be the puppet dictator down there until he until he died. Oh man, wait! You mean like he was a pre Zelensky Zelensky? Yeah, yeah. He was he was the he was the uh, you know they needed somebody. So basically, the embargo and everything was totally fake. It's and all fake. everything that happened in Cuba is just a sort of puppet regime of ours the entire time. Hmm. But the ours com- being the CIA, you know, the the American government. Yes. But the communists, though. But they're communists. How could they be American? Well, I mean, Fidel Castro isn't much different than FDR. No, I, I, I know. It's just amazing that that uh, that he's an actor. I mean, even <laughs> it's so funny. I had no idea. I actually did not know that. I must have missed this when we were reading. Um. But I don't know, man. Do you, th- you think that this is, I mean, obviously this is what the United States does. What the CIA does is they put their actors, their puppets, whatever you want to call them, uh, in positions of power all over the world. But yeah, so. I've got uh, half a dozen books on U.S. imperialism from South America, mm-hmm. you know, from different authors. And they, they all they all make the same claims that we had our fingers in every single country that was down there throughout the 20th century. Yeah. Oh, of course we did. I mean, it's it's one of those things that like you it's not surprising to think about, especially for for guys like us, but when you see all of the evidence, we literally were involved in everything mm-hmm. that happened down there. We built what South America is today. I mean, I have an entire book that's as thick as this one that we read for this is called The Pinochet Files, and it's all uh some pages heavily redacted CIA files about their the involvement with the uh, Pinochet regime. You know, there, there there wasn't a single country down there that they didn't have their fingers in. So it doesn't but, shock me that Cuba would be some weird slave island puppet state. Well, I mean, but they're supposedly like a a, a Russian puppet state, though, right? They're they're communist. Um, but yeah, uh, dude, I have I have both of the. Uh, Diaries of an Economic Hitman, which is part of the American policy, as all the American policy in, in uh, South America from the seventies on. Uh, they did the same thing. They did the same thing in Central America. Did the same thing in Southeast Asia. They've done the same thing in the Middle East. Um, they go around, you know, for quote for resources, right, and depose a government and put in their own puppet, and usually it's just an actor. Have you ever noticed that, like? That makes sense though, because they always they always install somebody who's who's flamboyant or uh, very like like Fidel, right? The 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 hat and the cigar all the time, right? The supposed three hundred assassination attempts, right? Right. There's always something, you know, like there's always they always got theme music or whatever, you know. <laughs> Saddam, right? Like, look at the guy, like, right? When in reality, Fidel Castro was a Hollywood gay boy. During the 30s and 40s, right? Which is look at so, look at his kid. His kid's a faggot. Trudeau. Yes. So, um, <laughs> so back during, to 
Yeah, back during to- the during the Castro, the the takeover of of Cuba, uh, the CIA established an anti-Castro radio station on an, a location called Swan Island. It's in the Western Caribbean. They, uh, Honduras claimed that island. Okay, and it's uh it's a little more like it's described as a little little more than a pile of bird droppings and a few palm trees, and basically, uh, Radio Swan. Incur- there was a radio station run by the CIA, and it encouraged Cuban rebels and directed them into the hands of CIA operatives, basically, where expatriated Cubans were trained and armed for the planned invasion of Cuba, and that, that was the Bay of Pigs invasion. Right. That was the Bay of P- Okay, and that was during the Cuban Missile Crisis? Or am yes. I... Okay. Because, See, yeah, because after, after Castro took over Cuba, he said... Well, we're going to be communists, and uh, we're going to hook up with the Russians and or the Soviets. Okay. Well, this, yeah, this, this, I have absolutely no idea about any of this history whatsoever about the Bay. I know we studied it for like five minutes in history class once. I'm pretty sure, but I know absolutely nothing about the Bay of Pigs or the Cuban Missile Crisis or any of the stuff about Cuba, to be honest. Other so, than, um. What was, well, the, what I was mean, the one story I, about somebody was supposedly uh, supposed to like sneak into Cuba in the middle of the night? One, I don't know, it's just, maybe it was a spy book that I read when I was a kid. Never mind. Um, well, all I understood about the Bay of Pigs and the Cuban Missile Crisis was it was the defining um, John F. Kennedy geopolitical blunder. How, how was it a blunder? What did he? What did well, he fuck up? <laughs> We were attempting to assassinate Castro and essentially cut the head off the snake. Right. But right. but remember, we, we attempted to assassinate him over 300 times. Well, that's what he's... I mean, why wouldn't you say that if you were him? Uh, no, that's the story. So, that's like that's like literally like CIA lore is that the, uh, the CIA attempted to assassinate Castro 300 times and couldn't do it. Well, that's what they that's what they want us thinking is the lore. Honestly, if they wanted to get rid of Castro, they could have done it any time. Oh, for sure. They just like, you know, they just get rid of him. Man, they were, just, he was placed there. Right. They just tell him, hey, you know, you're done. You know, we're, we're replacing you and you just go away. You know, they don't have to assassinate him. I don't think. I don't know. I'm not even sure that they assassinated Gaddafi. Oh, this is really funny. They even let a plan. They even let a plan leak to discredit Castro and break his charismatic hold on Cuba by dusting him with thallium salts to make his beard fall out. <laughs> Dude, the, the um, way back in the day, uh, I think it was Adam and I wrote, read a list of all the ways that the CIA tried to assassinate Castro. Um, Mailing him a poisonous snake was the funniest one. Yes. Okay. Jack's yeah. back. Yes. Yes. That was, you remember that Jack? I do. Yes, mailing Poison cigars, exploding seashells, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, urinal that electrocuted the electric. Yes, the electrified urinal. <laughs> I can. Uh, that must. That must have been one of the one of the Nazis who came over and started working for the CIA. <laughs> Had to be. I tell you what, we will get him via his piss. <laughs> the dance floor didn't work. <laughs> the, the dance floor. Do it exactly. <laughs> That's so stupid. Okay, so how does Jones play into? What's yeah. going on in Cuba at this time? How, yeah, that's 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 so he was there or whatever. But like, what was his what was his part in the uh, in the Bay of Pigs? 
his his part in the Bay of Pigs thing was they needed an agent to go inside Cuba to wrangle in dissidents inside Cuba to 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 draw them out, right? And because they had the ones that they had drawn out the expa- the expats that they were using the radio operation with, right? So they needed somebody from the inside, and so. A man with no prior history in, with the agency, uh, one Cubans to return to the United States, and he must be a master of persuasion. So they they tap Jim Jones. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it seems for a little, I mean, his first international assignment with the CIA. It seems like and, a little bit of a stretch, though. Well, he met he met and was photographed with Castro, and then uh, Castro took him on a tour of the interior to inspect the wreckage of a downed U.S. plane that Castro claimed was sent by the USA to firebomb the mm. sugarcane fields. Mm. You know, he returned he returned to Havana. He set up headquarters. Uh, according to his cover, Jones was a missionary who wanted to recruit forty Cuban families to return to Indianapolis with him in exchange for money and support. Yeah. So, but of course, found, this was this was to draw people out to hand them back over to the government, right? Basically, yeah. Because anybody saying they want to defect, you know, instantly instantly becomes a target. Straight to jail, right? <laughs> Believe it or not, right to jail. Right. Yes. Exactly. That's one of my favorite. I mean, I know it's stupid, but it's one of my favorite lines from that show. Mm-hmm. It's great. Okay, so he's doing this. He meets with Castro, gets the photograph, just like you know, it was super popular for other celebrities to do. Um, he goes back. He then goes back to Indianapolis, like he's done with the mission. They let him go for a little while, and then they call him back somewhere else. Well, I mean, eventually he made his way back to Indiana with a, f- a few people. You know, and then in April of 1961, uh, 1,500 Cuban exiles set sail from Florida to return to ca- to uh, to Cuba uh, to overthrow the Castro government, and uh, they were intentionally misinformed by the CIA and spurred on by that that radio station, which was the CIA, and that's what the Bay of Pigs was. They ran directly into an ambush set by a hundred thousand Cuban troops, and it was it was a suicide. It was a deliberate suicide mission. Rip. Mm. Wow. Yeah, they basically sent him into <laughs> a, another Normandy. Weird. And then the CIA publicly came out and said, oh, "My bad, guys. We yeah. we did this. We totally messed up. We totally." We totally screwed up, right? And that's where, and that's where they let loose. That's where they let out the plot for the new Seth Rogen, uh, James Franco movie, right? Basically, the, the and then CIA they came agents. up with all these other yeah. stupid, yeah, uh, su- you know, assassination plots that didn't, they didn't. None of these happened. I remember saying these that were- exact line in that show when we talked about that. I was like, it sounds like if they were going to do it, if they're going to make a movie about it, they should do Seth Rogen and James Franco. As the two CIA agents who constantly try to assassinate Castro, but just can't get it right. Well, James Franco's playing Castro well, in a movie. Is he? Yeah, he actually is. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Paranormal's right again. Just in a different way. Um, 
anyway, yeah, that's 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 kind of funny. And then the CIA just came out and was like, oh, yeah, we did this. And we tried this and that and nothing worked. Uh, because obviously it's a way to poison the well. To, you know, he's uh, obviously is an enemy of ours and not somebody that we put there. Right. Right. I get it. I so get it. You guys it. were trying really, it. really hard. I get it. We even tried poisonous snakes in the mail. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did they I'm try? Turn, I'm going to turn him into a flea, a harmless <laughs> the, little flea. <laughs> the author here later on says that the CIA double crossed the Russians into believing that they could have a military base there. You know, they it, like it was too good to be true. It was the perfect site for a military base for for the Soviets, but you know they didn't realize it was too perfect and fell into one of the greatest deceits of the 20th century. What's that, getting into a land war with China? Well, they, they had fooled the Russians into putting all their efforts into Cuba and, uh, you know, basically that left it open for the United States to push themselves in other locations. Such as? Well, we were expanding, we were expanding eastward, right? You know, making headway in different parts of Eastern Europe and also, uh, you know, west with China, etc. I have no idea what we were doing back then. I wasn't around. I don't know. That's the, Like I said, that's part of the history. I don't know what was going on. I didn't spend a whole lot of time studying what was going on in the 60s uh, geopolitically. So that allowed... So hold on. So by tricking the Russians into thinking that they could put a base there, but it was too good to be true. How was it too good to be true? I, I don't know that they, that they poured all their, all their military budget into creating a base there while we were making bases all over, uh, you know, the border of the, the iron curtain. Yeah. That doesn't seem, I mean, that doesn't, this seems a little with NATO s- and sketchy all that. information here too. Like, okay. So the, so Russia poured their entire budget into one base in Cuba. Meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile we have a base at Guantanamo, which never makes sense, right? Which is in Cuba. Yeah, we, right. Why didn't they? Why, why did they not kick us out? I, I isn't that strange? Yeah, like that, yeah, none of that makes any sense. Plus, but at the same time, while they're expending all of their budget for one base in Cuba, we're we're putting bases. You know, all of your Eastern Europe is belong to our base. Well, and then like, you know. we we're putting bases all around the freaking Caribbean too, Johnny. This was the start as well of the uh, the sonar program with the Navy. Mm. So we had we had so many monitoring stations all throughout islands in the Caribbean that are all defunct now. They're all abandoned, right? Or are they? Right. Well, um, right. well yeah. Who knows? I we had complete control over the area. That's that's why I honestly never bought the. The Castro narrative um, after reading about it is we could have completely emptied that island if we wanted to of any enemy. Um, the drawing in of the Russians and faking them out, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm. Looking so, from a official narrative point of view. So ultimately, the way that the Bay of Pigs thing wraps up with... Um, with Jim Jones, it says here in this paragraph, Jim Jones's position in the preparation for the Bay of Pigs invasion was middle management at best, but nevertheless important as it establishes his early association with the CIA 
that would enable the self-proclaimed preacher from Indianapolis to be received as a visiting dignitary by foreign heads of state. It was also the basis upon which he would build a reputation as an authority on U.S.-Cuban relations. He maintained communications with Castro and later visited, revisited Cuba several times. He would advise future presidents on dealing with Cuba and establish a U.S.-Cuban trading company and on one occasion be the primary suspect in a crime that created a major international incident between the two countries. And that 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 later on, it turns out to be uh, Tupac Shakur's mom. Uh, he had something to do with that. Oh, yeah, that's right. His mom and his dad, uh, to, both Tupac's mom and dad were blacktivists. Yep. Big time. And so, uh, yeah, when he returned to Indianapolis, uh, you know, he he had a house with like 40 people in it with all the kids and the and Cuban exiles and. Yeah, his mom, all all of it. <laughs> and since the CIA doesn't pay their operatives very much money, but they do help ensure the financial security, a disgruntled agent in need of a lot of money is a prime target to hire by a foreign power. So in Cuba, Jones had proved his worth, and he was a member of the team, so he got benefits. Benefits, yes. Yeah, they employed him to different commissions and stuff like that and uh put him on different panels and thing and things like that made him uh made him important. Well, you know, they got to, he got to run other uh other ops. Yeah, they knew they could trust him. They knew that you know that he, that he could do work down there in South America cuz all three of his missions were in South America, right? Yes, but uh in between Missions one and two, he flew to Hawaii to meet with a group of mercenaries and to get to, uh, to be ingratiated with this group of mercenaries. Right. Uh, briefings, etc. And so, like, the South American assignments required that he would be absent from Indianapolis for two years and leave his church in the hand of other people. Hmm. But he, the way that it was painted, the way that he painted it to his church is that I'm going down there to do missionary work. Well, he's spreading some kind of message. It's interesting they had him commit to going down there for two years, leaving his, leaving his power scheme essentially his his life's work power scheme in the hands of other people. That must have been well. Annoying. I mean, he probably had. He probably had contacts and stuff, but I mean, didn't he use? Uh, didn't he tell when he, that he used a cover story to get out of Indianapolis too? Like to let everybody like was it? He informed the Indianapolis News that he was once again under attack from an unseen enemy. He staged a media manipulation. Yes, he uh, he he went back to the he went back to the tactic that worked before, and that was mm. the threats. Well, we know the CIA has experience with fake threats, right? And he did it. He did it really well, you know. And again, you know, because he's good at it. Everybody believed him, and uh, you know, before the ink was dry, he was in Hawaii chilling, and with no explanation. Left the newspaper article to explain it. Um, all the assistants were in charge, so. 
I mean, I guess, I guess, um, I guess, you know, he was, he was, he was okay with that while he was, he was doing, he went from Hawaii to Georgetown and then Guyana. So. Yeah. Do, so do we know who he was actually meeting in Hawaii? You said it was British mercenaries. What, what was the, like, were they from the British territories in South America? Probably. Uh, It doesn't say. I, I think these mercenaries probably had something to do with both the, the coup in Guyana and uh, the uh, well, the race rights in Guyana, and then the coup in Brazil. Okay. Oh, that's right. Because around this time was that big race riot in uh, British Guyana, and he ended up in French Guyana, though, which was, I think, right. Well, Brit- British Guyana. There's French Guyana as well. Mm-hmm. Oh. Once, uh, so in Hawaii, he. Uh, he had signed over power of attorney to his mother in anticipation that the, the mission would be dangerous. Mm. And once, uh, once the family was all rested and rehearsed, he took the whole family, uh, his bodyguard and his bodyguard's wife from uh, Hawaii to Georgetown. And then they, that's where they would contact the CIA operatives who planned the revolt in, uh, in Guyana. Hmm. Yeah, this is pretty pretty interesting because um, Guyana apparently was uh, well. This whole thing with with Guyana and Brazil and the United States being involved is that supposedly Kennedy was worried about communism in the Western Hemisphere, right? And we need to stop communism in the Western Hemisphere. Don't worry about the communism in your country, but uh, communism in the Western Hemisphere, right? We'll we'll. We'll take care of the commies in America later, but yeah, they were they were chasing, trying to keep the communists out of Russia, trying to keep the communists out of uh, British Guyana. Um, so oh, the guy, the communist government, of course. Why are the communist parties always called the People's Party, the People's Progressive Party, People's Democratic Party? Why are the, the People's Party? Right, that's the the communist stuff. There's nothing democratic or people's about these parties. Uh, dude's name was Chetty Jagan. Chetty. Was the head Chetty of, Jagan. Chetty Jagan was the head of the People's Progressive Party. They assumed power in September 1961 um, in British Guyana. And apparently, uh, Guyana was so important. It's just Guyana now. It used to be British Guyana and French Guyana. It's just one country now. Um, apparently French Guyana is still there. It's its its own thing. I thought there were, there's, there's only one Guyana now, though. There is Guyana, but there is there is French Guyana, which is an, uh, still owned by France. Oh, is there still French Guyana separate? I thought mm-hmm. I thought it was all merged into one country. Nope. Oh, okay. I mean, geographically, they may they may all be in that one territory, but French Guyana is still a, a department separate. of France. Oh, okay, department. Oh. <laughs> so, anyways, apparently, uh, British Guyana was so important to Kennedy that he personally manned the British Guyana desk at the State Department. According to a former Dallas Cowboys uh, receiver, um, apparently, <laughs> Drew Pearson. <laughs> That's an old, never mind. I saw that. I had. I was like, really? That just came to me. That's Drew Pearson's one of the most famous Cowboys receivers, right? Uh, yeah, I yeah. think he just got inducted in the Hall of Fame recently. Yeah. And apparently it a syndicated was a, it was columnist. A major, 
it was a major bone of contention that he just was not in the Hall of Fame. They had to kind of grandfather him in. Yeah, he was. He was. He, yeah. Well, it's not the he Hall was of the. Kind of very... like on the cusp as far as uh, statistics and stuff. He's like yes, it's not the Hall of the Very Good. Right, right. It's not the Hall of the Very Good, right. but as know. as a lot of people have said, no. But I just apparently Drew Pearson was a syndicated columnist as well, uh, but. He recorded Kennedy's activities uh, in 1964. The United States permitted Cuba to go communist purely through default and diplomatic bungling. The problem now is to look ahead and make sure we don't make the same mistake again in British Guyana. President Kennedy did look ahead. Um, Right. So we technically, quote, allowed Cuba to, quote, go communist, even though... We put Castro in there. I mean, he was in Hollywood practicing to be this guy, just like Zelensky was practicing to be the president of the Ukraine when he was on that TV show he was on before he was president. It's right. Weird. He was a Hollywood actor. Good looking dude, you know. Yeah. Just doing stuff in Hollywoods, you know? Yeah. And then he's done with that. He grows out the beard, puts on, you know, grows out the beard, gets scruffy, puts in some dip, picks up a dobro, starts playing some. Co- Wait, that's a different guy. Um, that's a that's a different fake guy. But uh, yeah, man, how many times do we get fooled by this shit? You know? Many, many times yeah. throughout the 20th century. The end, that entire century, the last hundred years have just been them laughing at us <laughs> one gay op after another gay op after another gay op after another you know yeah humiliation well, as, as we look at the different points of jim jones the people's church his actions with the cia you see like i said the ripple effect you see like the the origins of a lot of the gay ops that we've seen in this new post you know 9-11 post covid world god <sighs> stop talking about covid reinhardt it is not political I'm sorry. Yes. And it is also not coming back. And it is also not <clears throat> happening again. It's happening again, you guys. But yeah, whatever. They're really going to try it. They're really going to try it again. But I'm digressing. Uh, Jim Jones in Guyana. But yeah, so, so I mean, it's just such bullshit when you look at the how fake and gay everything is. When you know that when you know that Castro is an actor, when you know that, you know, I mean, all of this stuff, this is such an elaborate show. You know, it really is. They're playing this 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 play on such a grand scale, right? It's a big play. Well, I mean I mean Yeah, while while the head of Guyana was meeting in Washington, Jim Jones arrived in Guyana and he wasted no time start, starting to overthrow the government. He published a whole article about how the affluent clergy of Guyana was bleeding the wealth from the people which made a co- which made communism appear attractive to them you know and it helped serve to attract the anti-communist faction to their new hero Jim Jones whose assignment was to organize and aid their cause and he proceeded to recruit and train uh black Guyanese rowdies to incite race riots and labor strikes uh, to cripple the guy's government, the guy who went over to Washington to cripple his government while he's gone. And so using the Rainbow family and, you know, this uh, basically what people call like woke racial integration ideology, he was the instigator of the race riots. And the race riots 
they culminated and ended up th- overthrowing the guy. It's not a very big country to begin with. No, so all of this could happen pretty quickly. Yeah, it's 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 not that big. Um, however, he was getting funding, you know, sent to him to there so that he could he could pay these people to get these uh, these civil disturbances going. So, I mean, again, how many times has this happened, right? <laughs> Where the government funds or somebody funds a a riot, a race riot of some sort. You know, in another country, you see the the color revolutions, um, the Arab Spring, all that stuff. How much of that stuff was CIA funded? But yeah, this is this is just classic CIA instigator tactics. But yeah, Jim Jones being a CIA agent, man, um, I did not when we first started this this series did not know that he was actually in the CIA. Maybe he was used by the CIA, but nope. So this guy, he reported directly to a CIA supervisor, a guy named Richard Welch, who reported directly to Kennedy, apparently. Um, so I guess Kennedy knew about these riots, and that was part of this whole, uh, I guess this was when Kennedy was, wor- when the CIA was working with the government, right? Before, I guess, they assassinated, quote, assassinated Kennedy and the CIA took over the government, right? Yeah, or, you know. Or just who knows? Who knows if they actually reported back to Kennedy or not? I don't know. No, I, I, I mean yeah. they're known to be an agency that's sort of outside the the scope of what the presidents seem to understand. Mm-hmm. They're definitely outside. Yes, they're definitely outside um, everybody. Basically, they're their own entity. They are. I mean, the CIA is all of the intelligence agencies they are Mossad you know they are five eyes mi6 the, the, whatever we have here that's it's all run by the same group you know and of course headquarters is in Switzerland but back to uh Georgetown which you know which which is where apparently they reported to Kennedy um there's another Welch introduces Jones to the CIA's candidate, Forbes Burnham. Forbes Burnham, did they did did he run for president or something? I don't know why uh, that seems familiar. He yeah. was the he was either the president or prime minister. Hang on, I, I just had Yeah, here it is. I just had his stuff up. Let's see. He was the leader of the Cooperative Republic of Guyana from oh, okay, 1964 okay. to 1985. Okay. Premier of of British Guyana from 64 to 66. Okay. Okay. So he was. Yeah. All right. So I misread that. So he was the CIA's Guyanan candidate. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Forbes, which makes sense. The name Forbes, first name is the last name of a slave owner, right? Well, he's, what, uh, he did take his last name from the owner of the plantation that his family worked see? on. I mean, it's like everybody in Haiti is named like Wilson or Lucas or something like that. Somebody's last name is their first name. It's weird they don't have French last names. Um, mm. So in 1966, Burnham declared the country's independence from England and British Guyana just became Guyana. But Burnham never forgot the debt that he owed to Jim Jones. And after Independence Day there, he traveled to Ukiah to visit the preacher mm. who helped destroy his political opposition. 
So there's obviously, even if he wasn't involved directly with the CIA, it is still, it's, it's still like an established fact that he went to Guyana and he caused trouble. The article exists. Sure. You know, the photographs of him being there exist with his, with his family. Oh, for sure. No, that's a real thing. That was where he laid down the roots to eventually that's where the experiment was going to have its finish. Mm -hmm. Jonestown was in Guyana. You know, so like he like this was all necessary in order to lay the groundwork for the the ongoing experiment. The experiment was already underway by the time he did these CIA operations. Yeah, it was pretty clandestine that Jim Jones was working for the CIA in Guyana at the time. I mean, apparently only three people knew, Burnham, Kennedy, and Welch. So only the... That's pretty top secret, dude. That's like some like TSSCI Zulu clearance shit there, Reinhardt. That's... I don't know, man. This guy... This is way more than I ever... That's like some SCI Zulu cornflake, you know, type shit. (laughs) (laughs) Corn pop. Um... Yeah, Burnham never said anything, right? Uh, of course. Dude, they made Burnham one of the 10 richest black men in the world. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, what a surprise. Of course he's never going to say anything. The secret died with him in 85 when he succumbed to undisclosed complications during throat surgery. What a surprise. Why didn't they send know. Jim Jones like to come? Like Joan Rivers. Throat? Yeah, right. Well, Jim Joan Rivers just got repurposed into another character. Apparently, there was a video of J- Joan Rivers at somebody's funeral with her husband. Weird. Yeah, she's not that. If she's not, yeah, that vampires don't die like that, dude. Um, oh, Kennedy's secret was assassinated with him leaving. This guy's this guy's dramatic. Oh, hold on, leaving Welch as the only government official who might detail Jones's work for the agency in British Guyana. Welch was later translated transferred to the post of CIA station chief in Athens, Greece. We're far away from any Guyanese implications. Jones once again rose to prominence in Guyana. He, too, was assassinated. Though the murder remains unsolved, the terrorist group called the November 17th movement claimed responsibility. Um, Mitch Rioni, there's some guy named Mitch Rioni knows about it. Uh, so who who told all this guy? Who told this guy everybody's stuff? The, the Mitch Rioni guy? How does this? How does the author know all of these things, these secrets, if the secrets died with these people? Does that make any sense to you guys? I- they steal documents from the CIA? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, Jim Jones, yeah. It's so, fantastic speculation. Is that is it fantastic speculation? Or I mean, I mean this- he's putting pieces together, and he has... I mean, he does have a fairly substantial bibliography in the back of this book, and sure. I, he seems to be an incredibly well-read person. That, like, that I what I what I appreciate about this book is the wild speculation mixed with historical fact. Well, the thing is, is it doesn't it doesn't highlight when he's speculating. Well, and, no, he's not. I mean, he, he's, who does though? Like, who we does? do. I, I mean, I we, mean, do, we do. Like, who, who does? I know. We're, 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 we're on a silly podcast, you know. Like, 
Uh, well, he's not going to say, I'm just speculating here, X, Y, Z. You could just ki- kind of, I would say that he's speculating like overarching, but the evidence, the evidence that he's bringing up is the correlation of people, places, and things. Sure, but literally what he said was nobody knew about his CIA involvement except for these three people. So if these three people died with their taking their secrets to the grave, how would any of this stuff be available for anybody to know? Like even, even like even the speculation part of. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Admitted CIA involvement of X Y Z. Jim Jones's involvement in X Y Z. Venn diagram of Jim Jones and CIA involvement. Uh, I. I mean, sure, I guess. It just seems like, I don't know. Anyways, moving on. Uh, on page 141, Jim Jones left Guyana for Brazil because he read in a magazine article that um, in Esquire that in nine places to hide, uh, apparently, apparently going to Brazil would be a good idea. And so he was checking out. He said he was claiming he was claiming he was checking out one of the nine places to hide in case of a nuclear war. Right. You know? We talked and, about this. And that was how that was how he came across. Uh, that was ca- how he came across Ukiah or Eureka uh, next to Eureka, California. Right. Eureka's up there, way up there. Um, oh, I found that funny that Christchurch, New Zealand, is on there. Yeah, that, it's not a good place for mosques, apparently, no, but it's, it's a good uh, place well, to hide from a nuclear bomb. Yeah, I mean, Cork, Ireland is on there. Um, I don't know why Cork, Ireland, but Guadalajara is one of them. But yeah, Belo Horizonte, Brazil is on the list. And apparently he went down there to go check it out because he wanted to check out the spots where you'd be safe, you know, in anticipation of World War Three. Um, oh, I guess the deal with Cork was the recent industrial development of Cork, Ireland was attributed to prosperous German businesses that established branch corporations in Cork as insurance of company survival in the event of a nuclear war. So, okay. Well, good for Cork. Good for Cork. Glad it worked out. Yeah, but I I got, yeah, well, let's, you know, the Germans moved in and and after, I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, everything's always better once we move in. Sure. You know? I thought you were Anglo. I'm English and German, sir. English and German. Okay. Um, so what happened in Brazil? Uh, well, in Brazil, there was a coup. No, I know. Well, like Jim Jones, he moved to Brazil. Like he moved the whole family to Brazil. He went by himself. What happened? Well, he checked in the whole, the whole rainbow family. Again, okay. He always brings <laughs> what, the whole What fucking, a muddy rainbow that is. He, uh, was checked into a hotel room in the heart of Belo Horizonte. Mm. Horizonte. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Where Jones uh, was contact, con- uh, contacted by an American missionary named Ed Malman. and they had been working in Brazil for four years, and were probably they were they were probably his point of contact. Mm. Uh, his assignment in Brazil was to funnel money and to advise the dissident right wing faction of the Brazilian military and assure them that after their planned coup d'état. The United States government would recognize them and aid their new regime. Uh, 
but Brazilians spoke Portuguese, which presented an obstacle as Jones only spoke English. Mm. So uh, Jones hooked up with the Malman's daughter, Bonnie, who uh, she had been working there as an interpreter for the missionary. And she moved in with the Joneses. And, well, you know, uh, you, you know what happened then. You know, she uh-huh. hooked up with she hooked up with Jones. Right. Well, I mean uh Jones gave her Jones probably gave her a uh, illegitimate kid. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's not surprising. Yeah. yeah. All right, so 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 to his congregation back in Indianapolis, uh he was just a missionary and he was trying to establish an orphanage and uh but he had no religious cover in Brazil. Uh, religion wasn't even a subject while they were there. They, they had no Bible, no religious publications. They didn't say prayers. They didn't do grace. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, again, it's that, that narcissist or sociopathic um, mask, you know, and at home, all of that goes away. Well, it was all pretense to begin with. Right. He right. Wasn't, was like, his his know, whole so. deal with church wasn't even about the Bible. I mean, it was more about, like, you know, uh, business. The power of religion. Mm-hmm. But, um, so anyways, he is, what is he doing now? Jones is actually working as an investment salesman. Now he's got a job in Brazil. Yeah. Because hmm. hey, he knows a lot about investments and salesmaning. Right, right, right. And, you know, uh, he, was, he was seen with lots of local girls and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's living it up down there, man. Well, he he was- might not have been very good at uh, helping the CIA out with the coup stuff. No, he was too flamboyant looking the suit and the briefcase and the girls, I guess, when he was trying to be an economic hitman. Like, briefcase was always full of money, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not all shocking. You know, I, I mean, they, they thrust this guy who's only been really good at uh, grifting. <laughs> Grifting blacks in the ghetto of Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's he's good at micromanaging. He's good at micromanaging like whites to help him with this this these large like grift schemes in Indianapolis, but then they're you know he, he was really charismatic in these performances and now now he's actually gotta do some some work and it turns out he's probably not very good at it. Yeah, like, he he sucks. He sucks <laughs> at being a CIA guy. Because like a local newspaper published an article about him being CIA. So yeah, Jones made an awful mistake, and he was exposed in print as the local reporter accused him of filtering money to military officers to finance a coup. In the article, Jones refuted the charges by telling the reporter that his money came from his pension as a retired U.S. military officer. And yeah, you know, and, and 
and I, I mean, there was no internet back then, so maybe it was a lot harder to validate these sorts of claims if you were in different countries. Yeah, it's a lot harder. I oh, mean, yeah. well, well, not harder. It was a lot easier to do stolen valor back then. It, you know, it was a lot easier to just change your identity altogether. Sure, and yeah, also go to another country and spin a story. <laughs> right, but going to another country and spinning a story about how you're a retired military officer, how do you constantly have a briefcase full of money if you're a retired military officer? That seems like a lot of something that something that a military guy wouldn't have. You know what I mean? Uh, so he was supposed to be, you know, the flamboyant American. Nope, we all know he's CIA. He had never served in the military, and that story backfired on him. Uh, I guess it says, in one breath, he attempted to explain the source of his income and the reason he preferred to associate with the Brazilian armed forces. <laughs> so he had a lot of money because he was in the military. Hey, Jack, how many guys in the military you know got a lot of money? Uh, exactly zero. Right. Reinhardt, how many guys in the military did you know had a lot of money? Uh, they had enough money to get a car at, you know, 40% APR. I mean, I, I said a lot of money. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's <laughs> yeah. a steal at any price for the person issuing the loan. Oh, dude. The, oh, that's the, great. Yeah, the California loans, bro. Yeah, not a single, not a single enlisted person. Right. So there's no, yeah, even officers weren't rich, dude. Like, you know, no. Yeah. Nobody's no. getting rich out of the military. That's, that's such bullshit. <laughs> and use it. Well, of course, he's retired military. That's why he likes to hang around with military people. You see? I didn't, yeah, I guess the Brazilians were, uh, I guess the white admixture in Brazil is a lot stronger than the white admixture in Guyana because they're a little smarter than the Guyanese. Yeah. And uh, so they had to, they, uh, Basically, the sh the shit hit the fan at the home that they were staying at with the the point of contact, and they had to fly Bonnie off to Minneapolis, and uh, the Joneses uh, hung out in Copacabana in Rio de Janeiro for for a while, and so literally Copacabana, yeah, yeah, from the song. That's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he was living it up. Yes, uh, so. Yes, he had he had he had sufficient resources to support himself and his and his uh, his entourage, and you know what is this? He stayed down there for a little while longer till the heat till the heat went uh, the heat died off. What is um what is this? He was teaching and studying at the university. Weird. What was he teaching? Uh, right. I mean, like interesting. You know, That's like, a good question. I actually don't even know what his bachelor's degree was in. It was ultimately. something sciencey. I remember reading that. Oh, well, he, <clears throat> yeah, he wanted to be a doctor first. Yeah, right. But then he changed it. He like he stopped going to college, and then he finished college before he went to Hawaii. So like he had gotten a bachelor's in something, but I forgot what it was. Maybe it was Hitler because he loved Hitler so much. He got a got a BA in Hitler. Yes, a, B, a BA in Nazi studies. No, just a BA in Hitler. Just Hitler, dude. Just in Hitler. Yeah, you know, you could watch like History Channel from uh, 
2003 to 2008 and you could have a your ba and hitler that's right oh, that man, was man. when i yeah. actually have one myself thank you very much that was me too that was before that was before uh the history channel went completely ancient aliens and yeah. uh pre it's uh metamorphosis into uh what is it pawn stars now that's all do you remember the I, show uh, that they had ancients behaving badly oh that, yes that, that was a good one I'm, I also you know have what? A, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have a master's in Hitler from that time period of yeah. watching the History Channel. Oh my god! I yeah. also have a degree in uh, military planning and sta- strategy from watching the Military Channel during that same time period. <laughs> yes, I, I did too. Uh, I I think I could actually pull off um, flying a Messerschmitt by watching dogfights. I think I know what to do. Do you guys? Do you guys think that you guys that you could run? a um a youtube stra- military strategy channel like these guys that are trying to tell you what what wagner group and the ukrainians are supposed to be doing i don't just think i know but i'm too lazy <laughs> right no but i know that your algorithm for your youtube is sus based on the uh, military trick that you said that you're watching on there <laughs> so i wasn't watching it. i've seen like one video i'm like that's all i need to know about her channel mm-hmm. bro was it it was a never mind. It was a Barrett fifty. What was bouncing again? It was while a she Barrett. Was firing fi- the fire it was a Barrett arm? fifty oh, cal. No, in the thumbnail, she's holding the Barrett fifty cal. I was like, I got to see this. And oh, the, the thumbnail. Yeah, the yeah. thumbnail drew you in. <laughs> well, the gun. Yeah, you click on it because of the gun. You're like, oh, okay, all right, scroll. But whatever. I mean, Barretts are fun to shoot. Yeah, they are. Like you not that I, I want to yeah, see somebody boring. shooting a Barrett. I don't want to see butt. Not that you would know, right, Jack? I've I've heard stories about people that not yeah, not this at least not this uh, current personality. This one doesn't know. No, no. Um, they are fun to shoot. <laughs> but so whatever. Anyways, back to back to Jim Jones in in Brazil, and so now he's he's teaching at a university there for for some reason. Um, however, he stays at the Copacabana, uh, the Copacabana resort or whatever it is on the seventh floor. And supposedly, well, he's supposed to be leaving, living like some sort of Spartan lifestyle where he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have any money. He's poor missionaries, right? But, um, poor missionaries don't normally stay at, you know, luxury resorts and have briefcases full of cash. So. Right. Uh, wrapping up what happened in Brazil mm-hmm. and tying it, tying the MK Ultra bow on it, uh, he received his life assignment with like the MK Ultra program, as we understand, is a series of studies in mind control and obscure techniques of assassination that the agency had begun in the 40s. Uh, there are approximately 150 of these experiments being conducted in secret laboratories across the world. But uh, basically, this is where he was inducted into this major MK Ultra experiment, which is the Jonestown Medical Experiment. And so he was 15 years old, apparently, according to this book, when he was brought, when he was brought, when many of the laboratories, laboratories had filed their final reports before that agency disbanded but the agency even though that agency disbanded the the experiments never stopped they just branched off into their own things 
Yeah, well, that's the thing with MK Ultra is, you know, did it ever really stop? No, I don't believe it ever really stopped. It just got, you know, moved into different things. Um, anything that's declassified that we know about is probably just the tip of the iceberg. Um, I think you meant that the MK Ultra was 15 years old by the time. Right. But by the, the time he, yeah, that's, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's what I meant. By the time, no, by the time he was 15 years old is when they disband, they officially disbanded the MK Ultra program, but they never, so by the time he was 30 is when they brought him in for this this version of it and so while he was in rio they debriefed him on mk ultra and that's when he took advantage of the local lore of studying voodoo african religion the african religion macumba as well as uh the faith healing preacher david martin's d miranda and he exhibited extraordinary control over his followers who referred to them as the envoy of the messiah so he he learned he learned how to exaggerate the talents that he already had while down there. And, and he understood what the, the final mission was for when he, for when he went back to the United States. Hmm. Interesting. So then I don't know about this again. A lot of this is this, this author's speculation, right? So, um, I mean, he claimed he killed people with pillows to his yeah. his followers while he was in Brazil. He claimed, like, how much of it is BS and how much of it was just him, like, in a in a drug induced haze. He he let out some effed up stuff he actually did to somebody. Like, he had to get it off his chest. He mm-hmm. couldn't hold it in. Well, yeah, this guy keeps saying that we know that later on in life, Jones was capable of murder. So it's it stands to reason that he could have murdered earlier in his life, but whatever, who knows? Um, yeah, but I, but we're so, never going to officially know. I mean, that's part of that's part of this this guy's personality. A narcissistic personality is mm-hmm. you never know when they're telling the truth. And also, you know, again, a lot of this stuff is speculation because a lot of the stuff is not really known. A lot of the stuff is classified information. Um. He's just going on putting things together from reports that he's read. Uh, and I guess, I mean, a lot of this stuff seems very matter of fact, like he knows a lot of this information. So anyway, you know, he, 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 he would do the double deflection sort of thing. He would say to people that uh, he would admit his involvement with something, but at the same time, he was working for the communists who opposed the CIA to, oh. to, to, you know, because he didn't want to be associated with working with the government mm-hmm. who he said were out to kill them. You know, so there was a lot of double talk with all, e- even his closest aides. Well, it keeps everybody guessing. Nobody feels like they truly know you. Nobody feels like they can have advantage over you. Um, you know, if you never really give out who you actually are, nobody can have any power over you. Right. You're the one who has power over them and their perception of you. Right. Right. Well, all right. I think we're gonna need to we need to stop somewhere here. Yeah, this is this is a good point because right, uh, I think I think part three will will talk about the people's temples exodus and the final experiment in all Jonestown. Right. All right. All right. Good. So 
Hyping that up. That's nice. This one will be out. We'll get this out as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, we'll get back into the third one. Now I want to. Now I want to reread some of this stuff. I want to check out some of this guy's footnotes and see where he's getting some of his information from. Because I haven't gotten that far. I didn't. I didn't check out any of his bibliography. Um, because if a lot of this stuff is him speculating, then like I said, it seems very matter of fact speculating. Well, when you read Raven too. Uh, Raven is a source from Raven is written from so many different sources of people that knew Jim Jones throughout his entire life. And so there is a space and time corroboration with this completely separate author and, and the stuff that this guy's speculating in this book, Hmm. they pair up very well. Hmm. And the two people didn't even know each other. All right. Well, well, there we go. I'm gonna have to pop uh, pop another look through through Raven again too. Then for the next one. But anyways, all right. Well, we're gonna get out of here. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday. Actually, probably this will probably be released Tuesday. But uh, the Nationalist Inquirer this week's Nationalist Inquirer is gonna be a little different. You guys have to tune in and check it out. So uh, there will be a pasta after this. I'm sure, Jack. We got something. I got something lined up. I just got to do the actual recording. Right on. All right. Well, we will see you guys uh, Tuesday night. Later. Time travel makes you gay. You are out there. I cannot see you, but I know you are. You are waiting. Watching my house with your empty, unblinking eyes. Doubtlessly whispering among yourselves. Planning your assault on me. Maybe even rubbing your small, malformed hands in anticipation. But not today, friends. Not today. Do you see that? It's a detonator. A detonator which is connected to six loads. One is here, in my garden. One is in the van down the street. One is in Demdike Road. One is in the garden of the vicarage. One is in the retirement home park. And one is in the kindergarten. Now... You will say, why do you want to blow up the whole neighborhood? Do you want to kill a lot of people? You will say, and the answer is yes. Everything is worth wiping out you lot. You are at fault here, not me. The blood of these people is on your hands. You have invaded the neighborhood. You have brainwashed people into liking you. You have spied on me while I was walking about peeking from the bushes, or even standing in the open and watching me. You even got Mrs. Samuels to unload a couple of you into my garden, supposedly as a present. But I am on to you, friends. I know of your evil plans, and I will eradicate you one and all, even if it's at the cost of my own life. Tonight you die. Your ugly little bodies will be torn apart. Your fat bellies will burn. Your bulbous noses break, your ugly beards will scorch, and your weird hats will be blown away by the purifying winds of vengeance. And you can do nothing to stop it, you so-called garden gnomes. Nothing at all.